up, folks. The third boom period is upon us. It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with me, Brian Campbell. And it's pro wrestling time, and it just might be a historic week. The biggest week in modern pro wrestling history. Good Lord, at the time that we record this, we're not even through the biggest week in modern pro wrestling history. But you know the SOC had a press pause, jump in, break things down, because the Wednesday night wars are hot, they're on us, they're ready. I don't know anything else to do other than to celebrate. I'm exhausted, I'm high on pro wrestling, I'm high on life. Uh, Wow, 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 whoop, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. There what is? There it is. It, it. It, IT. What's it? What is it? I don't know. I do. The fans seem to know. They do know because it, where it's at is the Wednesday Night Wars. Wow. Your boy BC fired up. Uh, Five star review season, guys. It's now or never. All right. Wrestling's hot. We're hot. This show's hot. I know what's hot. I know what gets you off. Rick, where are you? Is that what gets you off? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find fine audio. Let me bring in my co-host here to break down the launch of AEW Dynamite. The reaction from NXT live on cable television. Say hello to the bad guy. Uh, he's had a few times. We know the history. Let's talk about the future. Adam, the future is bright. He's the Silver King. Adam Silverstein. Hey, now. It's funny. You, you bring up things that are like a year old that haven't happened and never happened in the first place. And yet here we are in the precipice of what you like to call the third boom period in professional wrestling. And that, BC, is where the focus should be because I got to tell you, man. Four hours of wrestling on a Wednesday night in the middle of a week during football season? I am exhausted. Well, first of all, F your football, F your feelings. But I do back up the exhaustion part. You may hear it in my voice. It's early Thursday morning as we record this. Wow! What a week of wrestling, buddy. And it's not even over. SmackDown debuts on Fox as we record this tomorrow night. I'll be on a jet plane to Jamaica to finally unplug in the biggest week in modern pro wrestling history. What part of Every Jamaica year. am I vacationing in, you're wondering? Right near the beach. boy But SK, I'm washed after Wednesday night, and I love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. Like I, I, I finished NXT last night, and I was just kind of looking at my computer like, all right, uh, it's midnight, and it's really time to go to sleep. But the truth is, Four hours of really damn good professional wrestling, not sports entertainment, although some of it was, there were parts, but professional wrestling last night, BC, and I'm excited about it. I don't want to waste any more time. I don't think we should. I like wasting time. So let's get to the main event. Sports entertainment. You nailed it. That's not that's not the right one. No, that okay. is the right one. Um uh there was a lot of debate afterwards, and, and like people need to understand, like it's you're gonna have 
some sports entertainment in what I consider pro wrestling in 2019, just like there's a lot of pro wrestling inside of WWE's main roster sports entertainment in 2019. But, man, the formula that I saw Wednesday night, Adam, I need it. I need it from both companies. I need it in my life. I need it. I want it. Did you feel that? Yes, I felt it deep in my bones. Let's get right into it. This is the main event. All right, BC, so we had the debut I almost said debut, the debut of AEW Dynamite Wrestling returning to TNT. If they didn't tell you once, they didn't tell you a thousand times for the first time since 2001. And BC, most likely another non-WWE show beating a WWE show head-to-head for the first time since 1998. Now, we are getting ahead of ourselves there with some ratings predictions, but very simply, we're going to get into AEW as a whole. We're going to get into NXT as a whole. Very simply, BC, which one was better on this first Wednesday Night War? Oh, as as first of all, as Usher would say, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I want an answer. I want a straight yeah. answer. Oh, sorry, just quoting Usher there for a second. Um, oh, dude, NX, so here's the deal. And this is ultimately the original spirit of the revolution. It's, it's, a, it's a rising tide that would raise all ships. In week one, where AEW Dynamite had an opportunity to, to just hit us right in the, in, on the chin, to just knock us out. I certainly don't think they failed, but they challenged WWE's NXT to come out of their shell and show us exactly what they have. And by the way, F all y'all for having any kind of fear that NXT moving to a live two-hour format could possibly be a negative because they were overflowing in that tight window they had in the past on the network with great stuff. And this week, NXT not only won however you see this war, but put out a show that's better than most pay-per-views. I tweeted that. I stand by it. This week's two-hour episode of NXT was basically a pay-per-view. And it was better than, not better than most takeovers, but certainly had elements that were on par to that, but way better than uh, most pay-per-views outside of NXT. It was amazing. It was everything I would want in pro wrestling. It, like, straight up was Paul Levesque's way of saying, follow that. And if you don't think WWE is counter-programming with all these moves, I mean, good God, they opened NXT with a 30-minute commercial-free NXT championship match that played out on the same level as TakeOver main events, and that was their way of saying, I'm MC Hammer, you can't touch this. And if this is what we're going to be seeing moving forward, and by the way, I don't think the next six months on both AEW Dynamite and Live Wednesday NXT are going to look, feel, and taste like they did this week, because I think both shows were trying to maybe put out an opening statement that won't be exactly consistent with what we'll see moving forward because both kind of put out pay-per-views. They didn't really put out weekly television shows, but you want to lay that groundwork of a competition, of a follow this, of a one-up each other. Wow. Fans can have it all. Fans can watch one live and DVR the other. Fans can watch both with two screens. Fans could sit pantsless. And have it their way, Adam. They can stretch things. They can do whatever they want. I'm gonna have to apologize ahead of time because I'm gonna stretch his ass. Yes, I would. There was a, I was stretching things last night watching this, and yes, NXT won. Yeah, so I think from an in-ring standpoint, a um, 
hyped match to match, what got the juices flowing more, I think NXT won that, right? And I think people are going to be surprised that you gave the NXT answer based on the way you were tweeting. And I didn't tweet much last night, but they may be a little bit surprised at my answer here. I loved NXT. If you said, based on last night, which one, you can only pick one that you have to watch going forward, which one's it going to be? It's going to be NXT. At the same time, it is not lost on me how high quality the production was despite flaws, despite errors, despite them still trying to find themselves, how high quality the production was for AEW, the way that the crowd looked, the way it was lit, and just the overall feeling of a live jam-packed professional wrestling venue watching something that the fans actually really care about. Because even today, when you have Raw and SmackDown in sold-out arenas, oftentimes it is still a more casual fan base, right? What we saw was a Raw, Nitro type of crowd at a wrestling show, and we haven't seen that in a very long time, at least, let's say, 10 years or so. So the rabidness of the fans mixed with the way they were lit, the the, the stage I thought looked beautiful, it produced a better quality television show. It felt like I was watching a better, in many ways, at least at least in ring, version of Nitro versus a live version of NXT yes. on the other station. And I don't think that's necessarily bad, but I do wonder if long-term, if AEW becomes consistent, doesn't have to be great, but if it's consistently good, if NXT, the way it's being presented, despite being great wrestling, will be able to stand up to that in any type of ratings war. Yeah, I'm really interested in what, like I said, the future looks like for both shows because I don't necessarily think what we saw in week one is what we're going to see moving forward because I think AEW really tried hard to establish certain things for the future. We didn't necessarily get the things I really wanted them to give me, which Same. were, you know, a different feel on the promos, which were maybe taking some of the road to elements that we've loved from their 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 YouTube shows and putting it in there. And I think we're going to see that long term. I think week one was like, check our feel, our look and what our wrestling's like. And from a work rate standpoint, from a let's get over a new character standpoint, I thought they hit a home run. I mean, it wasn't better than NXT. I gave the show a B plus overall. And that was certainly a little bit of a curve rating taking into it was account gen- it was generous. how hot yeah. the crowd was and and really how interested they they made me feel for the future i'm fired up it the one like the the biggest way i was going to be disappointed in AEW was if they didn't come off major league and i think to me they came off major league now there's a there's an there's a deeper argument in that they didn't come off as new necessarily fresh necessarily revolutionary um they didn't come out as what their original mission statement may have we thought it was, which was we're going to be different than WWE. We're going to fill the holes and the gaps that NXT doesn't do. Because, by the way, if if WWE is going to push NXT to the forefront like they're doing now because of AEW, by, mind you, and that's that's truth, then they're going to do things way better than AEW ever could. And that's going to fill that hole in our life for 2019 professional wrestling. But with that said, We've had the same flavor. We've had the same wife, and his name is Vincent Kennedy McMahon, for so damn long. And everything has been filtered through him, through his genitalia. But I'll tell you, Adam, 
that to try someone else's flavor got me so excited. AEW, again, not revolutionary last night, but was just different enough that I want there to be room for a competitor. There's a whole other separate war going on that I want to touch on, which is Paul Levesque versus VKM, which is NXT versus Raw and SmackDown that I think last night only got escalated. And I think a lot of people aren't really hearing Jimmy to understand that because they think just because NXT is in the same company as WWE that, you know, everything's the same. It's, it's obviously not if you listen to this show. But I don't I want to I want to put this out there. AEW was not a failure last night. It wasn't. It also wasn't the original vision of what we thought a competitor would be or what we thought a rival forcing this revolution forward would be. We've touched on that for many weeks. They don't at the current moment have the backbone of the NJPW side of it that originally fueled this idea of a revolution when we saw Kenny and the Bucks doing their thing over there through BTE through that lens and all that. But I'm going to sit here, even with a generous B-plus grade, even with the convoluted, if you will, Silver King ending to AEW Dynamite, (laughs) which has good and bad elements working simultaneously against each other. And even if you are going to hear Jack Swagger run down the ramp and see that and and do nothing but laugh, and if that was your reaction, anyone out there, I get it. It's Jack freaking Swagger. But yet, at the same time, they won. They didn't win against NXT head-to-head. They're not going to beat WWE in ratings or even critical, but they carved out their own spot in this overall game. And for week one, that's a win. I want some AEW in my life. AEW felt more like WCW in the 1990s, which you sort of teased on, than it did all-star indie. Let's put everything together. Great. That's not going on in WWE and compete against WWE. That vision of the revolution did not play out. That is not true. But they carved out a, a, a spot last night. And I'm very excited to see what they feel, smell, taste like moving forward. Well, well, they won. They won in a couple ways. They won by proving they should exist, proving that they will exist for at least a I mean, we can't. We don't know if if this company, the way it's founded and the way it's been built financially, is going to last forever. But they showed that hey, we have something going here, and it's going to work at least for a sustained period of time. And Brian, I mean, the ratings aren't out. We're talking Thursday morning. They won the ratings war on this week. I mean, it's going to be like honestly, people were like, oh, it'd be great if they get seven, eight hundred thousand. The countdown show the night before did six hundred and thirty-two thousand. Yeah, it it's good. on TNT. That show is going to do 1.2 to 1.5 million, and people are going to be shocked because that's an incredible number. Now, are they going to be able to maintain that three weeks from now, a month from now, November? I don't necessarily know, nor do I think so. But I thought for an opening salvo, they did a perfectly fine job. But we're here to both offer praise and criticism. And the criticism was what you touched on without really going into too much detail, which is you guys promised us. We're different. We're more real. We're more sports-centric. And I'll take that sports-centric and give it to the Cody-Sammy Guevara match at the beginning because that felt good and real and important, and it was. It was the first match, and Cody obviously got a great reaction from the crowd. And and as an aside, because we probably won't talk about it, Cody has improved massively in the ring, and I wonder if it's from the injury and from rehab, if if he was that hurt for the prior calendar year because he was bad, legit bad. And now he's legit good. Well, it wasn't legit um, bad. But I just want to pause you and make one well, tiny point. How about okay. that entrance with Cody and Brandy in terms of like this it is the felt, 
This is the first 60 seconds of this new show, which has a chance to do these things. And I'm sorry, them coming up through the ground with the way that set was lit and how quality the broadcast was and the production and the crowd going nuts. I had goosebumps. That was a moment. That was a feeling. And um, yeah, I got about 87,000 tweets and DMs on this. Brandy, we're, we're all in. We're, we're, Adam, we're not a little bit in. Like, not, like, like just a tip, just for a sec, like, like. I'm all in. Are you all in, Brian? All of us. Uh-huh. All of us, Brandy. Adam, that may have been the biggest win. In re- it, like, that was the, the peak. Yeah, you didn't, the- you must have not seen Neo Shirai uh, on the other channel. Oh, I did. I got a lot of things okay. to say about that. But uh, can we just stop in midpoint and just give it up for Brandy because she won? Uh, always. She we won we always give it up. We always give it up for Brandy. She but the, 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 the actual, war. the BC, the actual first 60 seconds of that show were JR stumbling over his words and Tony Schiavone proving to be 17 times more energetic than him. And and in every way, Tony Schiavone, I just want to say, because again, I don't know if we'll touch touch on it, and I'm getting off track of my original point. Tony Schiavone stole the show commentary-wise, yes. and he needs to be the lead play-by-play man. It's not going to happen soon, 12, 18 months. That's your guy. Have, put JR in the third chair or the second chair. Let Excalibur do whatever. But Tony Schiavone is your play-by-play man for that. It, he just is. Well, Excalibur is kind of playing the Mike Tenay role, which he needs to, which is, I know the newer wrestlers and the newer moves better than everyone right. else, so let me be the expert on that, and good God, did Shivani level out JR last night? Still a little bit too JR heavy, but yeah. he JR wasn't lost, he felt comfortable, and Tony Shivani still got it. That was the moment hearing his voice, seeing that crowd, Cody's entrance, where I'm like, this is filling the gap inside of me, which was WCW going away. Thank you. Now, now, they can say, like, that we're not the rebirth of WCW and all this stuff, but there are so many elements. And, yes, yeah, some of them are shove them in your face, a Rhodes, you know, in, on the on your screen and Shivani on the call, right? So much of that is is there. But if you looked at the way the show was laid out, now, yes, they didn't go WWE style of interference during matches, although they did. You know, they did twice, but they didn't, like, beat you over the head with it with disqualifications. The matches had finishes and things like that. But – what I was getting at prior before we kind of got off on a tangent here is they promised us, you know, a revolution of professional wrestling, something very, very different. And while it showed that something other than WWE can exist with high level production, something Ring of Honor and Impact and others have failed to do. Ring of Honor, you argue, you could argue has had all the time in the world, but is not investing the money into the talent or the production or anything to get to the point that AEW already has at episode one. But when I'm watching it, I'm saying, well, that post-match attack was very WWE. And wait, they did another one after the women's match? They just did that earlier. And oh, yeah, John Moxley interfered in the main event and the referee saw him, but it's not a disqualification. And there's a living room set up backstage with a, gla- with a glass table that he's just going to hit him with the death rider right through it. And then, oh, now Jack Hager is here and it's a convoluted pull-apart brawl, which wasn't a pull-apart at the end of the show which is very reminiscent of Attitude Era WWE and the entirety of WCW with NWO and everything else, it just felt like a new WWE competitor, not so much a revolution in professional wrestling. And, and I think like that is the most fair commentary. Yeah, and I it kind of felt like 
even when WCW was really good in the 90s, it was still sort of convoluted at times. It's still sort of, yes. how, why did they pay? I don't know why the pay-per-view ended this way, but yeah, I'm certainly interested in finding out what happens next on Monday. So And like and also like shoving a celebrity in there, Jay and Silent Bob, with in a segment that didn't really make any sense, and the saviors came out after it had already been de-escalated. Like, what are you doing here, you know? That part was a stumbling block, and there certainly were missteps along the way. But overall, they got my attention. And I think overall they combined with NXT and I'm not done breaking down dynamite. I got a lot of little points of that we want to make in succession here, but Adam, like the real, like uh, the, the war is changing. The rev, the, the idea of what this revolution actually is to me, the revolution is this now Wednesday night is all I need as a wrestling fan. The way I need, and I'm, and, I'm, and look, raw was fun this week. I'm sure Friday is going to kick us right in the fuel hole. I mean, the rock is going to be there. Hogan and Flair and all that. Like, I mean, it's, you know, Brock Lesnar versus Kofi. Like, there's going to be, they're going to pull out all the stops. You need Brock Lesnar hitting Germans on Dominic Mysterio in your life. You can't tell me you don't because you, you have to. that said, I could go red and black SOC pod moving forward. And if you tell me, hey, BC, we don't really need you breaking down Raw and SmackDown. Hey, you don't even have to watch it anymore. I know you're a busy dude. Just be there for us on Wednesday. Just be our Wednesday. Wednesday is all I need in my life. And mm. even though, like we just laid out, AEW had a lot of sports entertainment elements to it, had a lot of convolution of WCW old in it. It had a lot of things that you just nailed, which is, didn't we already see that in WWE and kind of complain about it? Yes, yes, yes. But when you combined AEW and NXT together, that's way more pro wrestling to me than what we see on, on Raw and SmackDown which is way more soaked in sports entertainment. And that's what I want. And that's what I need. So to me, that's what the revolution has become. And I know it's changed because our original vision of what it could be has changed. But right now it's still kind of underwritten with the storyline of trips knows where wrestling's going in 2019. Tony Khan seems to know and Cody to a certain degree as well. And it's what you prefer because Vince McMahon's product is going to be pretty hot for a while because we have NBC Universal and Fox basically competing against each other in house. And certainly Wednesday nights are going to be a hot fire. But I think this is just the flavor. This is just the angle that's speaking to me overall. And the fact that the two best wrestling shows, what I think will be over the next, you know, six months are head to head on the same night. It's dude. It's the nineties all over again. I love it. I love yeah. it because it's going to make each one have to try to do things to be better. I, it, you can, it's weird when people hated this tweet. I ended up deleting this tweet because people were just not understanding the point of it. And I was getting into too many arguments on Twitter trying to explain what Delete, it really meant. Deleting tweets here. Wow. Yeah, I did because. Uh, wow. Well, I deleted a tweet. But uh, wow. people just didn't understand the, the fuel of what I was really saying here. But. Go ahead. The real war, dude. It's it's pro wrestling versus it's it's new versus old. You know, it's it's pro wrestling versus uh, sports entertainment. What's old is new again and the new is better and it's better than the old. And. Um, we don't have live NXT. If if not for AEW, so in my mind, it's almost as if Paul Levesque and Tony Khan and Cody and the boys are on one side of the line. And the Vince McMahon old school is on the other side of the line. It's not that I don't get 
that that NXT is owned by WWE, obviously. But I'm telling you, there's something happening on Wednesday, and eventually it's going to rightfully take over the business. It's going to the flavor, the theme, the feel. That's what wrestling should be in 2019. And eventually mm. it's going to get there. And I think the rise of originally NJPW, then transferring over into AEW, has opened this door. And everyone will say, well, yeah, well, there was already talk for years of NXT going to TV. There was. But it doesn't get to TV unless AEW makes this legitimate run and gets the TNT deal and really pushes this forward that they're going to be something live on Wednesday nights. You're seeing the lengths Paul Levesque and company are going to compete with that. It's not really a competition. To me, and I know this sounds crazy to some people, they just don't get it. Well, I'm explaining it now on the show. There's two sides of this war. And Paul Levesque and Tony Khan and Cody are on the same side without really knowing it or realizing it in terms of how I'm seeing wrestling right now. Yeah, I get the gist of what you're saying. And and if you're insinuating that by that style taking over, meaning it bleeds into Raw and SmackDown and changes those shows into more of what wrestling in your mind in 2019-2020 should be, I can see that happening. But I think you forget there's two things you're doing. One, you're extrapolating off a very small sample size. We've seen one week and four hours of television, head-to-head. Because the stuff that happened on NXT before doesn't matter. And even the AEW All Out and all those other events don't really matter. It's Right now, it's TV. And it's what's happening in front of us, on our boxes, uh, you know, that was not what I meant to say, but uh, on our television boxes, um, two hours here and two hours there on TNT and USA Network, respectively. Now, if those are both equally successful simultaneously and WWE's ratings start dropping, then yes, I do think you could see them learning from their mistakes and saying, well, there's this new style that's not, you know, that's that is resonating with fans and ours isn't anymore. We need to go in that direction just like they did in the 90s when they saw the more reality TV crash-style television that Eric Bischoff brought to Nitro was what was winning fans over, especially the key demographic of males, you know, 18 through 34. And Vince said, well, we're Raw as war now. We have Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock DX, and we're eventually going to win this war, not only because of what we do, uh, it being better, but because WCW ate itself from the inside with loaded contracts and so on and so forth. Um But I also think you're disregarding, and in addition to extrapolating what we saw from NXT and AEW, I think you're a bit disregarding what we saw Monday night on Raw because BC, it may not have been a perfect show, and there's plenty that we're going to talk about and poke holes into, but I was juiced. Like the opening of Raw with Pyro and Fire and Lesnar and the new entrance and the booking, it it telling the story through the whole show, it was very Paul Heyman. It was very dare I say ECW, especially at the end of the show, I was like, oh my God, this feels different, good, and new, even though it's WWE Raw. And we still are over 24 hours away while we tape this podcast (laughs) from SmackDown on Fox, which is the big news of the week. That's the story. Like, this is big. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not downplaying AEW. But SmackDown on network television with The Rock returning and a WWE championship match Two days before a pay-per-view. They didn't even built the pay-per-view. They said, F Hell in a Cell. We don't even care about this pay-per-view. We're all in on Fox, BC. Like, I'm excited talking about it. So let's rein back a little bit on its professional wrestling versus sports entertainment. And that one's going to win out. Brian, they're about to go on Fox. 
the, the Raw and USA did its like fifth best rating of the entire year, and that was for a show that still was going up against Monday Night Football. So let's hold the horses a little bit, no pun intended, Adam Hangman Page, and kind of say, look, they can both exist. They can both be uber successful. And really, while AEW was very good and slightly different, it wasn't that far removed from Raw and SmackDown. I mean, yes, you're not going to have an interracial kissing angle uh, to end the show. You know, that's a that's a cheating storyline as well. But it, it still was WWE slash WCW-esque in many of its endings to matches, post-show segments. Or it, it, not post-match segments, I mean. It was just well, not totally a- different. It wasn't that different. Yeah, they had a panic to get too many people moments and sparks of future storylines in but and i want to talk about the ending of aew in one second but just to piggyback off your point you are right what's bigger than even my way of of sort of framing what i saw on wednesday night and what that means for the overall picture the real pop right now is what a time to be alive as a wrestling fan the real pop is that if you care and want this genre to be massive and crossover and mainstream again, like it was in the 90s, and everyone making everyone be their very best, which is why, you know, we saw the launch of ECW, we saw WWE and WCW constantly one-upping each other. We're there. We're there again. You're right. Monday night felt different and extra special. Friday's going to be a firework show. We know it will be. So everyone can win. We can watch it all and enjoy it all. Twitter was a a little bit of a shit show Wednesday night in terms of yeah. uh, counter takes and hatreds and 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 all that stuff. Um, let's take that step back. Let's sober up and really just celebrate where we're at. Uh, maybe the real, real, real revolution is the third boom period idea and the fact yes. that this is going mainstream. Look, if you want to stop being that weirdo in your friend group who still puts this many hours into this and you want this talked pro wrestling talked about at the water cooler like it's the NFL, like it's Game of Thrones, like it's The Bachelor, then you're going to have your best chance to ever get that. And the real key to that is Fox on national, you know, SmackDown on yeah. national television on Fox live on Friday nights with the cross promotion of the NFL on Fox with everything tied together, really with NBC and Fox now kind of going head to head against each other in the upcoming draft. Yeah, damn. What it's like, just drink it all in. So pour it over every body part and every orifice, Adam. It's that time. Thank you. That's the thing. The the revolution, sorry to talk over you at the end there. The revolution is the competition. It's not so much AEW as a company. It's another company existing that, as you said previously, a rising tide often floats all boats. And AEW existing begat maybe a rush or a push to get NXT on USA Network Live head-to-head with it. It came after the deals WWE made. Let's not forget, you know, $2.3 billion worth of TV contracts with Raw and SmackDown and WWE saying, hey, not only are we going to rest on our laurels with these contracts, but we do see there's a competitor coming up. So you know what we're going to do? We know what fans want. They want pyro. They want an opening intro. They want better graphics. They want all these things that we're not giving them. And they gave it to us Monday night on Raw. So we're going to talk about Raw later in the show. We're going to talk everything. But I think the revolution is competition. It is giving us a sense 
that wrestling matters in a grander sense than just you either watch WWE or you don't. Because even if you watch New Japan or Ring of Honor or Impact, you're a minority. It's a very small group of people that watched NJPW. This is a large group of people watching Dynamite. Tony Khan spent millions – not forget forget creating the company and doing all that. He spent millions upon millions of dollars promoting this first episode of Dynamite. I thought it did perfectly fine and it was a good representation, maybe not exactly what it will be or what we expected of AEW. But they delivered. The question is how is everyone else going to respond, especially considering – Top to bottom, we did have a better show a couple channels away. Yeah. Right, let's talk about AEW and the big moments in the ending in particular. Before we get there, I do want to say that, um, interesting, Tony Khan did the post-show press conference like they've been consistently doing, which I love. And you can't was, do it every week after TV, though. I mean. I'd love if they keep doing that. Uh, he was asked about the rumors of Jericho main eventing Wrestle Kingdom in January for NJPW against Tanahashi, which would be a... Uh, to me, it's a dream match. I pop for it. I've seen other people sort of yawn at it on Twitter. I don't get that. That's fine. Um, Khan gave a no answer, kind of. But then a, a smart reporter followed up with, does this mean it's going to open the door for some future one-offs or trading or use of big-time NJPW stars for, for AEW? And his follow-up no answer really seemed to open that door as a yes. So that has to get us fired up for what the future is. Uh, Not a real dude. talking point to talk about, but that was a little sprinkle on top for me of like, oh yeah, okay, you're telling me there's potential we can use Okada at a big pay-per-view? We can get Naito for this angle? Like, if they go in that direction, hell yeah. I think okay. that, I'm not saying that won't happen. I'm simply saying, I think that's being read into far too much. It's in Jericho's contract, he can work in GPW. It's in Kenny Omega's contract. He can work in GPW. That's, that's just how it is. That's how their contracts are written. Oh, Jericho was doing an angle with Tanahashi before AEW even had all out. Right, but so, all, those, all those Japanese guys did, did big ROH moments and stuff. I'm just saying. Yeah, the they have a relationship with that company. That, that, he there's a relationship there. Right. He would have dismissed it and poo-pooed it if there was no chance. He sort of gave you that Look, that C- Cody, Cody a couple days earlier said there's n- nothing happening with, in New Japan. I'm not saying it won't. If it does, that changes. That really does change. That fired me up for those are the guys we really. I mean, not that AEW is not good talent wise, but let's be honest. Basically, most of the best wrestlers in the world are in New Japan, so that really does change things if that happens. But I think I think people are overreacting, or you perhaps are reading into that. Oh, I'm reading him. Him no commenting a little too much. He's trying to do a press conference about AEW. People are asking him about New Japan. He's like, guys. Let's talk AEW. He's also not the most polished guy on the mic. So, well, all I'm saying is he gave the same smile he's given in the past when he has truth and doesn't and can't share it yet. So that's all I'm saying. Get excited. We'll see where that goes. All right, the ending here. Uh, it was convoluted. It was overbooked. It was too much. It was very WCW. To their credit, it was entertaining though. I, I yeah. was able to get over the the obvious elephant in the room of. Hey, isn't that a disqualification when Mox runs in and pulls Omega out of the match and we're just going to keep going with that match? Like that, that sucked. Um, did we need all them run-ins in the escalation from Dustin to, to Jack Swagger and, uh, shout out to Jake Hager. Uh, wow. Let's remember what he said on Bellator that time. You know what? I'm rock hard right now with emotion. I got a phoner. Yeah, I got a phoner too. And he had some wild tweets afterwards, but let me tell you. The optimistic side of this, and one half of that optimistic side was that spot of the DDT through the glass table. To me, that was the spot of the night. 
that was fantastic. But the larger sort of let's stay optimistic and hopeful is this. You know what AEW closed the show with? The forming of a pretty badass heel stable. And what we don't have enough of in WWE and constantly complain is the, use, any of. Is the use of large factions and sort of, you know, going back to the formula we love. The four horsemen against Dusty and the good guys. The NWO against everyone else. I feel like they purposely closed it that way to give us this front that we have this quasi NWO feel here with Jericho leading it, the muscle of the LAX guys, the new muscle of swagger coming in and Sammy Guevara, who really they did well to put over as a heel, both in the beginning of the show and the end. It's not perfect. That's not a lineup that's going to get you jumping out of your bed. But if they're showing me that that's the direction that they're going and, 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 you know, in contrast to Guevara, they really worked hard to put over Cody as a babyface, and it worked. It worked. Um, I'm fired up for this. I'm fired up for what it could become and what it could look like. Again, not enough promos on the mic to show us what their real flavor will be. Not enough any of that. Convoluted ending, yes. But I was able to look at all those heels standing together and go, okay, this is what I kind of need, and there is a niche for this. There is a hole. If this is a strong heel stable and they're going to sort of rule moving forward and have their moments, Jericho's the perfect guy to head it up. I'm okay with where this is going. They're not presenting Jack Swagger as a main eventer. They're presenting him as sort of the muscle of the world champion, Chris Jericho. I can be down for that. Yeah, I don't think it was... I agree with you. I don't think it was bad. It just seemed... It seemed like a lot. <laughs> like it was a lot happening to end that show, and it, it was it just seriously gave me WCW vibes. It really did, and and not necessarily great ones. Um, you know, it seems they're keen on giving us a big surprise in every major show they have. At least, I mean, at some point that has to stop, obviously. Uh, but having Jake Hager here, uh, you know, obviously LAX at All Out. Um, Jericho previously at other shows and, and Moxley certainly, um, Neville at double, at double or nothing. Um, it, it just kind of is, I mean, unfortunately the Hager surprise got ruined for me a little bit. So that maybe took it out a little bit, but Hager isn't, or never was to me just a big name just because he was in WWE. And I think when you look at AEW, a lot of it is. Big pops for former WWE guys who are not with WWE. And I know that's natural because these guys got elevated to a big stage somewhere else and, and now they're not there. And it is still a level of return. If, if Swagger came back in WWE, I think he would have gotten a similar type of response, to be fair. But you look at who, who ran out to that ring. It was Cody, Goldust, Jack Swagger. And that's your ones, that's your face side. That's saying, Hey, these guys WWE built up. Actually, Swagger was a neg uh, the heel side. I'm sorry. That's my bad. Um, but but the big pops were for these guys that everyone knows. And I think that's bound to happen when you start a new league. I don't know. It, to me, was just it, – it, it wasn't – the show ended the way I didn't really want it to. I was hoping for a nice finish in the main event with Jericho standing tall and talking crap into the camera and it going off the air. If this – as someone who begs WWE to create factions, this has the makings of one. It looks like it is one. If it is, that's great. Uh, you're going to have me very interested in seeing what this group is going to do with Jericho as a leader. At the same time, it is a trope of the old guy who we're going to promote as champion, kind of needing some help from a bunch of young dudes, 
in a faction. It's very Hogan NWO. And one thing I thought about when watching Jericho last night on AEW, he did not look like Hogan did in WCW because Jericho is more of an athlete than Hogan ever was. He's a better in-ring wrestler than Hogan ever was. But the speed at which he moved in many ways had me thinking like, this is not that dissimilar from, you know, Hogan being on top of WCW for way too long. Now, AEW is just starting. If they take the title off Jericho in four months, that's a different story. It doesn't feel like they're going to. It feels like they are really staking their claim of saying, we're a new company, and this guy that you know, this face that you know, who's a great, who's great in the ring and great on the mic, this is our centerpiece. And if that's the direction they're going to go, it's going to be interesting to see how long fans will actually accept that with all this other talent you know, around him, basically. No, well, well said. And I want to quickly just hit you up with something real quick. There's a, a, a Twitter handle called at RW Podcast One, the Reasonable Wrestling Podcast. I had a back and forth with him on Twitter last night. He claims um, he's been blocked by the State of Combat handle. I know nothing about that. Adam. Me neither, actually. Nothing. Uh, I, I, I encourage intelligent debate. He gave me intelligent debate. He just sort of tweeted me in real time. His contention, I think rightfully so, on uh, maybe I didn't iron out my true thoughts in my original tweet, was how could I say the pro wrestling versus sports entertainment side when AEW had a ton of sports entertainment? And they did. Let me just bring back again my, my points of like, it's a different flavor. It's not Vince's flavor. It's somebody else. Some of that newness is what I need. It's also, as I'm sort of realizing as we're having this conversation, very WCW, which, by the way, I loved and need because it's an alternative to the tropey way we've seen the same company run for so many years. This guy, the Reasonable Wrestling Podcast, hit me up. Fam, Jay and Silent Bob, question mark. So this isn't WWE reaching when they bring LeVar Ball on? How does this feel different? Make it make sense, B. Campbell, LOL. It is different. I didn't love Jay and Silent Bob. I'm not going to sit here and defend that. The good news is they kept it short. The good news is they kept pretty much everything they did real short. And most of it hit. The real short Lucha Brothers SCU little mini brawl pull apart with some good trash talk back and forth was great. It's in the end, very tropey and WWE heavy. And we just kind of nailed that. Well, then don't we see that on, on the other nights? Yes. But for week one to me and the overall package, it was different. There's different people flavoring this food. And so far I like it. And so far they're still sticking to the core of what I want this to be. The matches seem to matter, save for the sort of hokey ending to the main event, which was their way of, God, we have to get every, we have to get five angles over. And they, they went too far. We admitted it. But overall, they are presenting a feel up to this point with the win loss records and all that, that we're not going to do the negative connotation of sports entertainment that wwe proper does which is week to week it's all 50 50 wins and losses don't really matter oh you just saw that pay-per-view title match well here's a here's a rematch the next night and uh oh it doesn't really matter either it's i mean the way that they booked and presented sammy guevara and cody with the fact that cody needed to win that match to hold his title shot against uh jericho Felt like wins and losses mattered. Felt like a big match. It's not that WWE doesn't do that at times. They do the same sort of thing. But I think overall, up to this point, AEW's being more pro wrestling centric at its core. 
It's got sports entertainment elements. We just nailed it. But at its core, they want the matches to matter. They certainly want the in-ring work to matter more than anything else, just like what NXT did amazingly well on Wednesday night. And I think that's why it's different. You're going to have the Jay and Silent Bob moments, which, yes, are similar to LeVar Ball. But unlike WWE up to this point, that stuff's just sort of sprinkling on the side. I think AEW is trying to be everything to everybody, which to their detriment will become a problem. But week one, man, feels a lot like WCW. I kind of need that, and it's hitting all the buttons for me. So I'm able to to have a positive note overall and not just sit here and say, well, saw that on WWE. This is a worse version of it because it's different. I need different in 2019. You know, I think even pointing to that first match, them saying, yeah, Cody would be out of the title match if he loses, but Sammy would be in, I guess, by virtue of beating Cody. But Cody had multiple wins that earned him the title shot. So why would Sammy just jump into that match? Then it's then everything's a number number one contender match, basically. And that doesn't make sense either. So wins and losses can matter without being convoluted, which to me, that was convoluted. The The reasoning of, well, if Cody loses, he's out. But if Sammy wins, he's in, even though it's not a number one contendership match and Sammy hasn't done anything to potentially earn a world title opportunity in the first place. And even beating Cody would be one win. So, okay, sure, you can like that. I'm not going to like go on forever, but that's convoluted too. If wins and losses are going to matter, make them matter in a real way. Don't what they did was they booked a title match for a pay-per-view because they wanted to sell tickets to it. And then they're like, oh, Cody's going to have a match. And then fans said, well, wait a minute. I thought you said wins and losses matter. And they're like, well, yeah, they do. And sure, if Sammy wins, he gets in the, in the match. But they backed it but up with he both, was never going to win. You they know? backed it up with both a badass match and a clean finish. So, again, you know, it wasn't like they, they, they saved clean, the run uh, in uh, Brandy hit him with the heel of her shoe. Right. But Jericho could have run in during the end of that match. And that could have ended things. Okay, DQ, yeah, okay. But instead, we got to finish. And even with the convolution of the main event, we still got to finish in that too. So it is a little bit different. I'm okay with that. One more DM to get us to get me fired up. Kentucky Long Rifle. It is an email uh, at the Jeremy D Smith. We know that that brother. He's part of our family. He said, "BC, I wasn't hearing Jimmy on AEW AEW at all." At 37 with three kids, I'm not into paying for pay-per-views or subscribing to NJPW World. So the exposure has been limited. But I'm an old-school WCW guy from way back when Saturday night was the mothership. R.I.P. the American Dream. BC, exactly 10 minutes into Dynamite, I picked up my phone to text my buddy that I'm sold. This is how I want my wrestling to look, sound, and feel. There's plenty of room to grow, but that felt special. And it's 2019. I'm not leaving the WWE investment I've been building most of my adult life. I get to sit back and enjoy this art form through what looks like to be four very unique TV products each week. My friend, this is the revolution you've been heralding since the SOC was the ITC, and nobody could hear Jimmy back then. Rev the engines, my friend. So he sort of summarized what we're nailing here, Adam, and I think a lot of people like me who haven't felt the same as a wrestling fan since the end of the Attitude Era, mostly because it eliminated something different, have to be happy at how all this played out. Yeah, I think that's totally fair, especially if I think lapsed fans this spoke to more than anyone else. But if I'm being completely honest, uh, 100%, seriously, 100% of the replies I got on Twitter, and I didn't even state my opinion on one versus the other. I said both were good for different you know reasons, whatever. 100% were pro NXT. 100% said NXT was 
far superior than AEW. And I don't necessarily agree even with that. I'm not going to go to the extreme level and say AEW sucks. I'm never going to watch it again. NXT was so good. But DM slide here, BC. Yeah, hit, yeah, hit us up with that. Tristan Atliano at Atliano underscore Tristan. Guy, and look, being a member of the SOC Mount Rushmore gives you its privileges. It makes sure your voice gets heard on the big time discussion AEW versus NXT, even if it's slightly repetitive of what we just talked about. It's like going uh, to the said, bar and hitting up the jukebox and you can put extra credits down to get your song played first because you're yeah. willing to pay for it. This guy's the, paid for it by yeah. bringing a, a, a ITC sign to WrestleMania and sitting in the seventh row. Keep going. That's true. First time we had on TV. So I just watched both NXT parentheses live and AEW parentheses DVR. I have to say NXT really swung for the fences and hit a home run while AEW bunted and got on base barely. I really expected more from AEW and thought they would come out guns blazing. But at the end of the day, I was left wanting more and wondering why every show since Double or Nothing has gotten progressively worse. Curious to hear your take. It's hard. It's hard. Yes. Between Double or Nothing and All Out, those in-between stuff were hit or miss. And yes, you've heard this for months on the show. It's, it ultimately soured my original expectations and excitement for AEW from the idea that it could compete with WWE main roster proper. We're obviously past that point. Really, we, we began to end up framing it as, well, it's NXT versus AEW now. Um, if that's the way he's going to look at it and put that much pressure on AEW to, 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 to deliver, I can't argue against it. They sort, like we said, there was a lot of convolution. They sort of threw a lot of colors onto the, onto the, you know, the, the painting surface there. And it, it, it was entertaining. It was pretty in the end. It worked out. I would have preferred some kind of one on one reveal at the end. I would have preferred a lot of other things. I'm not here to tell you they did better than NXT. Before I even watch SmackDown on Friday, I'm here to tell you that nothing's topping NXT for this week. It was a damn pay-per-view. It was insane. Cole versus uh, Riddle to open. Uh, good God, that's really how I want my wrestling. It, oh, it, yeah. it it put two feet in the old field hole, even though I watched it on delay, having already known it was amazing. It still got me to where I needed to go and didn't think I could go there type of feels. It was amazing. If his main point is AEW didn't. In he the said they bunted in the opening said, show, didn't hit a home run of what it was potential to do. Yeah, I'll give you that. What it didn't feel was like a historic night, except for that opening beginning to that opening match. And maybe when Cody briefly cried after winning the match, when he hugged Shivani and sort of it all hit him. The com- you know, the connection to his dad, all everything hit him in that moment. Outside of that, did not feel historic. I felt they rushed to cram too much in. They didn't hit their potential, but they also didn't annoy me. They also didn't uh, make me want to bury them after one week. And they, yes, made me want to check in week to week and see where this is going. So I get what you're saying, Tristan. They didn't beat NXT. They also didn't fail. That's sort of the theme of where we're going on the show. But but that's the thing. They didn't beat NXT critically, but they're, I think they did beat it in many other ways. And we're going to talk about that, but more so NXT, Raw, and much more from WWE on the other side, because we've got to hear a quick word from our friends and sponsors. Okay, BC, we are back. 
and we talked AEW, it's time to move into. Let me let me hit you it, one more we'll be, before you do. Okay, we do have female listeners. All right, you know that, right? Yeah, thank God. And and I'm sorry to those female listeners of of where this the direction that this show has gone. The direction you take the show. But I mean, I, I think even those female listeners will understand how all in we have to be on Brandy. She's making and us. Yosh- more Yoshirai, sure, but yes. I mean, could, I mean, did can we again pause and pour one out for Brandy for that opening segment? But hey, thank you, female listeners. Thank you for being part of our lives. From Christine at stu underscore bird. She slides in with this, Adam. Let's close the AEW conversation with this. My two gripes with AEW Dynamite. One, whether due to the fact that we've had a number of pay-per-views prior to their official debut or perhaps that they just plain weren't ready, Dynamite felt like just another week of TV rather than a premiere. She's echoing what Tristan said. Number two, here's where I really want to go here, Adam, the women's division. She says the women's championship match was among the best of the show. And then Dr. Britt Baker's monotone commentary took me completely out of it every time she spoke. Call up your baby, get some lessons in personality, and get off the mic until you're ready to represent women the way we should be represented. You are, have been, and can be better than that, Doc! Exclamation point. Love, one of your female listeners. Wow, Christine, bring in the heat. Adam, what did you think about the Nyla Rose match? For the championship against Riho, Britt Baker's death on the microphone, and the overall future of the AEW women's division. Well, it's funny, BC, because if you didn't cut me off, the way I was going to start our NXT discussion was by talking about the vast differences in the women's division. Because it is truly night and day. Everything about the AEW women's product is garbage in my mind. I'm not saying Rio's not good. She is. She's akin to Kyrie Sane in WWE I think Kyrie is better but she is similarly talented and exciting to watch Nyla Rose I can totally do without uh you might as well call her Nyla Jax because she's a botch fest and it's just I don't care really um and they certainly made the decision the proper decision in putting the title on Rio but first of all the presentation of the match not very good Britt Baker on commentary had absolutely nothing to say. You don't put someone on commentary with nothing to say. There's a reason why WWE puts like New Day or Charlotte or someone that can actually speak and add to a broadcast. They put her in commentary because she's the top women's name in the division. They somehow, for some reason, left her out of the first title match feud and they wanted to make sure that she was on television. That was not the way. She should have confronted her in the ring after the match. That's how you do it. You say, hey. I'm the top dog here, even though I'm not on the the title tilt right now. We're going head-to-head soon. That's all they needed to do with her. So she is totally right, our our female listener who just dropped that in. That's Christine. Christine, I'm sorry. They also gave Rio a toy title. It is the size. The women's championship for AEW is the size of the WWE fun size toys you buy your children. So It is not not even the same size as the old WWE the, the Divas title or the old women's title, which were both smaller, certainly not. It's like half the size of the current well, women's title. It's, it's insulting it's, to carry that around. Well, the, here's the problem. It's because her waist is so small. And then obviously compared against Nyla, Jax Rose, um, the moment they put that championship out and our boy, Chris Nyron, the, the beer expert, DM'd me simultaneously I was, as I was having that thought. It was obvious that Rio was going to win this match because you're not going to put out. I mean, if not, just like when Andre the Giant. So you think they have multiple titles for different size women? 
I think that they're going to go with Riho for a while, and they did not want the belt to look too big on her comically after she won it. They wanted to give her a championship belt that would fit her waist. It's just like when Andre won the belt over Hogan for that hot second, and remember they specifically made a belt that would fit Andre had he won it at WrestleMania three. And they would parade it out, and it would, they would always talk about how it's the biggest belt ever made because it's got to fit his large that's stomach. Different. That's and different. And so what I'm saying here, Adam, is when they presented that toy belt, which you're right, you knew that Nyla Rose wasn't going to win it, so that was a fail in that regard. And yes, they built one to around her size so it doesn't look comical. And here's the deal. Both wrestlers overachieved from what we'd seen from them recently. Yes, on AEW. that's true. It actually was a good match, but they lost me on the way it was booked. For somebody like the size of Riho, and yes, this did feel like a poor man's uh, Kyrie Sane versus N- Nia Jax match. You were 100% yeah. right. Um, yeah. They let her her comeback be way too unbelievable. I mean, she's kicking out of like finishing moves from somebody that big. I didn't like that at all. I did like the little melee afterwards. I'm glad they put it on Riho other than Nyla Rose. But I think to echo what you're saying, yeah, I just don't care. And Britt Baker did fail. And all in all... Let's kind of keep this to one segment slash match per episode. Let's not Joshi me to death here. Let's let's let the primetime players get the primetime moments. And you have to say that, Adam, week one, they did that. Brandon Cutler, who nobody seems to love, had a two minute match. So what I'm saying is they let their stars shine. I actually thought the best thing they did on the entire show was keep the Young Bucks in their match. The time that you're going to see the Young Bucks on the show is in their match. Cody, you saw throughout. It's pretty clear to me that. They see Cody as their uh, – sorry for the equivalency. It's the only way I can do. Uh, Cody as their Roman Reigns. Yes. And Kenny as their Seth Rollins going forward long term. That is how I think they are going to equate them. And when I say Kenny as Rollins, I mean Kenny as Rollins when Reigns is on top, not Rollins today who is above Reigns if that makes sense. Although there will obviously be times where that happens. But – Cody is their big dog. At least that is how he is being presented. He was the savior at the end. He's the one with the first match. It's the Rhodes name, even though they're not using it. And the, the, you know, moment with, as you said, Brandy in the ring, they're very much playing up that. Um, so I did enjoy that they kind of kept the bucks into their segment. Even Kenny, they kept to the final match and then just helping Rio, who, you know, he helped train and things like that. So, but back to the women, uh, for AEW. It's not something I care about. You can parade diversity all you want, but they told us in their opening press conferences, the women were going to not only be paid, the main event women would be paid the same as the main event men. There's really no proof of that. Um, but that they were going to have just as much importance to women's wrestling as male wrestling. They have basically no women's roster. The women they have are not all, I don't, I don't say this as an insult. I'm saying the group as a whole, not the individual women are second rate by a mile to WWE and maybe even to Impact. And yes. it's just not wrestling I want to see. So you can preach diversity, but when you looked at that show, it was not nearly as diverse as AEW wants you to believe that their roster is. Um, and when I go to NXT, I, especially if you take the, the summation of the multiple weeks together that we have seen, it is much more, and WWE proper is far more diverse and different yeah. and the women's wrestling is a significantly different level better Dear in WWE AEW. and NXT than it is in AEW. I bet you the Riho Britt Baker actually in-ring product is going to be good. It's going to be, be a nice great. title yeah. feud. Britt should and will win it eventually, but moving forward, you kind of have to do 2012-2013 WWE proper 
booking for your women's division, yeah. which is give it its niche hole, get it off my screen. All right, let's go right into what you set up and we're going, which was the two women's matches on NXT. Incredible. I mean, if you want to rank the MVPs of Wednesday night, and maybe you want to, I don't know. I mean, it depends on where you want to go here for MVPs overall. Maybe Paul Levesque is the MVP of Wednesday night. Maybe Matt Riddle is. Maybe whoever. Um, Io Shirai, I left that match. I mean, all the emotions and feelings that I normally have, but also being like, she had, she might have the best night. I mean, that match was insane with with somebody I don't normally care about in Mia Yim, and like, look at the difference in that match versus Mia Yim and Shayna Baszler at the Takeover, night and day. Like, Io Shirai is everything. That's a star. That's I mean, like that's yeah. that's assault, brother. That's your next Oscar, but different. And maybe even long term better. I mean, like, wow! I don't want her to go to the main roster. I don't even. I don't want. I want. This is what I mean. We we might be in the spot, Adam. We might be in the future that we always dreamed of, where NXT is its own thing, on the level to a certain degree of Raw and SmackDown, and we don't need people to get moved up because Io Shirai should be headlining NXT's women division for the next five years. And even though, yeah, sure, I'm sure she'd make a hell of a match with Sasha Banks. I need this booking and presentation that we got on Wednesday night. And and she was damn good. That match was good. But you didn't even mention the better women's match, at least in my opinion, the Shayna Baszler Candice LeRae match, which made both of them look like legitimate female stars. And I don't know what Candice LeRae's ceiling is going to be in NXT or even one day WWE proper because she's very good in the ring, but she doesn't have that much from a gimmick or personality standpoint outside of it, outside of being like a really good girl, a a, a woman, I should say, a face, a pure white meat baby How face, you, who is Johnny Gargano's wife. How dare and, you? You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Well, I hope they. I hope they develop some more character for her. I mean, right now I don't your see opinion, it. Opinion. I'm not going to um uh dip you in acid, but um her character is kind of a female Johnny Gargano, and it's great and it works. Okay, I, I feel like Gargano does more to make to get the fans behind him than she does. That's not saying she's not great. The point I was making is you have Candice LeRae who did a fantastic job in that match and made Shayna Baszler look incredible. Like she allowed Baszler to simultaneously be dominant and yet exposed based on her moveset, her ability to hit her Karanas and, and springboards and things like that. And yet still at the end, we get Baszler not the first time she tried, but the fourth time she tried finally tapping her out, retaining the title. The run that Shayna Baszler is going on uh, as women's champion, two-time women's champion in NXT, I think a lot of people got bored with it because she was dominant and she's not a a ring general, you know, running the ropes and, and doing the full slate of wrestling maneuvers. But what I like about Shayna Baszler is she is real. She was an MMA fighter. She brings many of those elements into her personality as a professional wrestler and her effort that she gives into the in the ring, every single title match that she's in is top notch. It may not be your preferred style. You may much rather see a Sasha Banks Becky Lynch match, and that's fine. I probably do too. But Shayna Baszler to me is endlessly entertaining when she has someone of a foil in the ring with her, a Kyrie Sane, an Io Shirai, uh, a Candice LeRae in this instance that helps make her shine. I thought those women women's matches were fantastic. Beat the hell out of the women's matches we got Monday night on Raw and dominated the women's match we got on AEW. 
Uh, that's not even the headline from NXT. We're going to get to those. There's multi- many of them. But just the transition from AEW to NXT, when you're asking me what was far better about that product, the women's division on its own is proof of it. Yeah, if you didn't realize what we're saying this deep into the show, if you're really wondering, then I'll say it. Why don't you just spit it out? Why don't you just talk straight to me and quit beating around the bush? What are you trying to say? Well, Terry, I'm trying to say that NXT is so good. NXT was so good on Wednesday night that if you put the proverbial weapon or weepin, as Dusty Rhodes would say, to my head and say, Bry, Bry guy, all right, put on Usher. I need part two of your confessions. You can't have it all. (laughs) So what do you want? I'll say AEW who? I'll say. Maybe even The Rock is going to run in on Brock on Friday, and you can still have that. I'll choose NXT over everything. I'll choose NXT at this point right now, even over the highest notes of NJPW, because it's everything I want as a fan. And yes, it was that damn good on Wednesday night. Well, talking about everything I want as a fan, Matt Riddle versus Adam Cole, baby, in the opening match, 22 minutes No commercials, very smart move by WWE and NXT and USA Network going up against AEW. Not sure it actually mattered in the long run ratings-wise. We'll find out later today. But Brian, barn burner of a match. If it was another 5 to 10 minutes, probably a five-star match. Right there, 4.5 for me. Um, Obviously, we did see Adam Cole retain the title. Somewhat clean. He used his cast you know, to bash Riddle in the back of the head, but no interference, no run-ins. Continuing to build Cole as a strong champion. So I want to know what you think about the match, but we all know the big moment on NXT, what WWE did to hammer home that NXT is a legitimate third brand. They did not save this return for the Royal Rumble. They did not save this return for a showdown with The Fiend culminating at WrestleMania, although maybe we're still going there. But what they did is they brought a tattooed, shaved head, Demon Finn Balor shirt. Sorry, not Demon. He wasn't in the makeup. Oh, they brought Fonzie. Finn Balor he was back. Finn Balor. He was Prince Devitt, basically. No, he wasn't even the Fonzie. He didn't have the hair going. He was, you know what? Maybe he was more Prince Devitt than anything else. But they brought Finn Balor back to WWE TV for a showdown with Adam Cole face to face. And he declared, quote unquote, for now, he is NXT. Brian. What happened in your pants at that moment? First of all, nothing face to face. Nothing face to face. Get that right. But number two. Um, I told you that the spot of Moxley, DDT, and Kenny Omega through a damn glass table was sort of the spot of the night for me, the moment of the night. Um, That was AEW's moment of the night. This moment right here to me, meant more and was actually even better than the insanely great match before it, Adam Cole, Matt Riddle, which, again, could have main evented any takeover, and we would have been like, damn right, because it was stiff as ish, and there was that that, that moment, that, that section of move after move after move. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. Running yep. knee, running knee, stiff, stiff, stiff. That was just like, oh, my God. Yet when Finn comes out, and it's not... 
cheesy paint job Finn Balor. It's not Demon Finn Balor. It's not Balor Club for everyone. Adam, it's Prince freaking David. It's 2015 NXT Finn Balor. It's... It's everything that's right with this world, okay? Because here's a guy who, yes, did big things on the main roster, although his biggest moments were ultimately aborted. Remember the injury at the 2016 SummerSlam, of course, where he did, you know, won the uh, Universal Championship for a hot second and then had the injury. But he was never presented or given, ultimately, the opportunity, the rub, the presentation, the anything that felt like what he used to feel like not only just in japan i'm not going to try to sit here and say i was watching it back then in japan i've gone back and so seen some good stuff but certainly what i saw when i fell in love with this brand nxt in 2015 and finn balor was a giant part of that adam he's going not down he's not going down to the minors he's doing exactly what we have talked about forever on the show exactly what both you and i have asked paul levesque ad nauseum could there be a time where somebody goes to nxt and it's not looked at as a demotion and they could switch brands we thought this would be kevin owens right we thought the debut of nxt on usa we thought they tipped their hand that kevin owens would be coming here no it's finn balor are you kidding me This is where he belongs. He's going to do better work here. He's going to be happier. We're going to be happier. I don't need Vince to try to sell merch to bastardize who Fergal McDevitt or whatever the hell his real name is could actually be, Adam. They're going to give it to us what he could actually be. Like, are you kidding me? And they use this as the reveal right after this badass match that, yes, made you say A.E. what? It really did. It made you say, like, wow. And now I have the potential to see Finn Balor versus Adam Cole and NXT. Like, come on. Which does bring me to the ending of the show, Adam. Let's not act like Tommaso Ciampa coming out wasn't convoluted on the on an AEW level of why is Jack Swagger on my screen? I'm, it's great to sure. see Tommaso Ciampa back. But what the hell is he doing coming out getting in Adam Cole's face? I felt like they were like, hey, just in case you didn't think we won the war this week. Oh, here's Tommaso Ciampa back in your face hole. (laughs) I didn't think that was needed. Uh, It kind of was a little bit of a C block on the original Eresh that I had for Finn. True or false? Uh, True. The other thing that's interesting is that happened at 10.08 p.m. If you actually look at the time where it aired live, AEW was already off the air. So the question is, well, did people flip back to NXT? to see the final few minutes, to see if it was still on the air, and then they got to see that? Maybe. And if that was the idea, it makes sense. Certainly, I think having Balor, having the match they did first, Riddle Cole, and having Balor come out at the beginning of the show was the right move. I would not have saved that to the main event. But I think it was a little convoluted, especially to stare down Cole, because you already have seemingly your next challenger in Balor. Now, if... Champa's completely back, meaning health-wise, and he's able to compete, that's great. Then you have a number one contendership match with Balor and Champa, right? And maybe Gargano even gets involved. Maybe you end up with a fatal four-way with those four, which I don't even know what that would look like. I don't know that there's enough sirens and, and stuff to go around for that type of match. But it it did leave me thinking, like, well, why did they both stare down Cole in one night? And there's multiple other titles on the show, and... 
Yeah, that doesn't really make sense. So I thought the Street Profits match with Undisputed Era stood on its own as a great way to end the show. Cole coming out afterward, really cool. I don't know where Champa really fit in with all of that. But ultimately, um, I'm not going to downgrade the show because of that. It was still a really cool moment to see him. They didn't get into anything. He just stalked him a little bit. Maybe they're saying, hey, don't forget, we also have Champa, and we don't see him again for a few weeks because he is still injured or maybe he's not cleared to compete. So I don't know. I'm not going to downplay it too much, but I, I do think your criticism is legitimate. But that moment of Finn was, it, it was such a reaffirming moment for the future of what NXT may become. Like, Adam, like they're really doing this. They're really presenting this as a legitimate major brand option. I mean, it's on the freaking USA Network. Like, this is live. Two it did hours. not feel major brand, though, if no, we're being honest. Yeah, let's hit that up. It still doesn't feel major brand. And I think in the first half hour, when people hadn't really seen the full Cole riddle match and were flipping back and forth to both shows, there were a lot of tweets I got of like, or DMs of like, holy crap, Paul, take this amazing product out of that, you know, tiny little warehouse studio there. Uh, because the production elements of AEW kind of blew us away. They were great. And this feels minor league. And I think there's arguments to make in there. Like number one of, of like, okay, yeah. Would it look better if they went to an arena, even a smaller sized arena than the little four thousand seat one in NXT? Yes. But at the same time, that's part of the charm of NXT. I mean, Adam, did you see the pictures that have leaked out of the NWA studio show? That that is now being recorded. Yes. Billy Corgan and David Lagana and all but that. But that but that is supposed to look like that. It's supposed to look old school. Right. And it does, and it's beautiful. And right away I went on the network and I was watching yeah. old Jim Crockett promotions, WCW Saturday night shows, and it's like, man, dude, like I watched this like nineteen eighty I think it was eighty five. Mid-Atlantic or Jim Crockett. It's basically, you know, NWA, Jim Crockett promotion show from that famous studio in Atlanta. And Adam, I watched a full one-hour show two nights ago. Uh, every single star that came out, whether it was Tully, Arn, Ric Flair, whoever, T Magnum TA, had a giant bandage over their forehead with, like, the blade mark from two <laughs> nights before. And they yeah. all cut badass, tough guy promos. And then we threw to the ring, and they were all squash matches, but they were the kind of squash matches where... It's heel heavy, and they kick the ish out of the, the jobber that they're with, and they do it so dominantly that you're like, man, I can't wait to see them against a real body. And then there's like a halfway legitimate main event, and two guys bladed in it, and it was awesome, and it's like, damn, I want that again. And the NWA, to their credit, is trying that, and I think there's still a certain charm with NXT inside Full Sail that speaks to me on that level, that... Yeah, we're in this tiny arena, but the crowd's hot. They turn the lights down, and it's all about what's happening in that ring. So presentation-wise, if you want all the latest camera angles and ramps, skateboard ramps that light up, you can go to Raw. That's still there. I'm still okay with, with getting just my meat served on a napkin on Wednesday nights. Well, that's the thing. I think it's it's fine for me, but what people on Wednesday night were doing we're comparing NXT to AEW and the production in terms of the camera shot of the ring in NXT with two to three rows of visible people and plenty others of others behind them, but darkened and AEW, which had, let's say 20 to 22 rows of full bodies cheering 
with dark blue lights, but you could still see them. If you're flipping through the channels and you are not a wrestling fan, you know nothing about these two, you're like, oh, AEW's WWE and NXT is this startup thing and we don't know what that is, right? That's just the connotation those visuals put into your brain. Yeah. It doesn't mean that the NXT product can't succeed the way it is, but it is a stark contrast in a war scenario, in a head-to-head television scenario. It is a stark contrast to go from a fully produced, you know, arena level show like AEW down to NXT, which is a thousand people in a, you know, in a studio on a campus of a university, basically. So I don't know how sustainable that is long term for WWE. If they see the ratings, you know, AEW constantly winning the ratings, are they just happy? They're still eating into that share and that's the only reason that NXT is in existence? Or do they actually want to win head to head? If they do, NXT can be amazing. But if AEW is even very good in comparison, the visuals to a casual viewer who does not like WWE, it's going to put them with AEW. It's the same thing that happened with WWE when they were kind of just moping along with the 90s, the stupid gimmicks, and then you turned into Nitro and you saw unshaven dudes with jean jackets beating the crap out of people ray mysterio getting lawn darted into a production truck the you're nitro like oh my god this is sick damn i'm not gonna girls. watch this wwe product it's the same idea michael buffer the nitro girls yeah all the way around exactly um, yes it's exactly. you know if they did the smaller basketball arenas kind of the arenas that uh that smackdown does a lot and they kept the the dark look that we've seen at takeovers where you have the video screens but they're just sort of darkened and only used when they're needed I think that would still work. It would still give you that feeling of Expensive. Int- of raw intimacy. Expensive. But again, that's now a tra- another traveling production team. So what are they going to right. do? Um, yeah, the, the real answer probably is cutting down on house shows and making NXTs on Wednesdays like a WWE house show with an NXT show on them. Like doing something like that so you get a bunch of butts in the seats, you put on a really good television product, and you don't have everyone on the road all the time. But if you're going to go out on the road for television, you don't just go out for television because everyone's on the road. So you want to do house shows as well. And NXT, candidly, occasionally in major cities they draw well, and in Florida they do very well in the individual little tiny, you know, I don't even want to call them arenas, venues that they do. But NXT is not a touring brand right now. And AEW, for as much as we are giving them credit in terms of their t- selling out TV tickets, I don't think they've announced anything regarding house shows. So right now they're doing one show a week in major cities and selling well, not maybe amazing. There's a lot of places. I've gotten a lot of tweets. People think I care. I really don't. I don't hate AEW. Hey, Silver Kings, you see there's $4 tickets available in Pittsburgh. It's like, yeah, scalpers bought tickets and they overestimated market demand. Like that's that's what happens, you know? So I don't think – WWE can take NXT and say, we have to tour because AEW is touring and it looks so good. I'm just saying at some point, Vince is going to say, we are losing this war ratings wise. Do I care about that? Or do I just want to have enough where I'm, I'm hurting their ability to be the only product on live on Wednesday nights? Yeah, man, the future is going to be wild. The future is going to be wild if, uh, I mean, this is so great for WWE and us fans of the hardcore variety if we can see underused main roster talent, and now that we're splitting divisions, there's less, well, I guess there's more TV time. I don't know. You can argue it both ways. But the whole point is there are guys that are constantly filling behind, between the cracks. They're being used to job to the elites and never given the proper push, and they'd be better off in this work rate style like a Finn Balor 
And now we're going to have a chance to see that moving forward. I still want to see what happens if NXT starts winning this rating ratings war and the numbers start to compare to Raw or SmackDown, how that long term could affect the way Raw and SmackDown is presented. I want to see a lot of things. I want to see what becomes of this podcast, Adam, because if they're going to start giving us this much to talk about on Wednesdays, then this is the Red and Black show because you almost need a separate Raw and SmackDown show. It's wild. It's a wild times, Adam. Wild times. Yeah, it, it is pretty crazy. Uh, and we do have plans for a new uh, SOC schedule coming out soon with all the changes in the world of professional wrestling. We will talk about that when we get a little bit closer, when Brian gets back from the vacation he decides to have during a WWE pay-per-view. You and can't win, you know, really. You first know? week of uh, SmackDown on Fox. You try you know? to schedule these things out, you know seven eight nine months in advance your wife says look at the calendar tell me what you know and the first thing you go okay i don't want to travel during mania slam or rumble which i did already to to you guys um i don't want to travel during the two boxing holidays you know may first weekend of may second weekend in september i don't want to travel during the giant ufc ones which is first week of july in vegas the msg card in november and that december card New Year's. Uh, yeah, so let me just sort of pick it in between. And, and you know, inevitably, <laughs> Triple G's fighting on Saturday. Clarissa Shields is back on Showtime. There's a must friggin' see UFC 243 card in Australia. And it's the biggest week in pro wrestling history. So, yeah, you know, that happens. But uh, it does. Uh, real quick before we get off NXT, because I, I don't feel like we, despite us praising it up and down, I don't know that we even gave it the credit it deserves. You said you gave... AEW Dynamite first episode of B plus personally uh, I think that's overrating it I'd probably go B minus for the first episode that's just me but NXT what is your individual show grade and then we're going to be able to see which one you thought was truly better oh NXT was an A it was an A it was I mean it was a okay. it you know it, but the reason why it's an A is because there's got to be room for there's something to be better we've seen takeovers that were A pluses right Yes, this wasn't a takeover, but it was basically a damn pay per view, and it was amazing. And I look seriously, the Gargano match with that dude from TM six five one whatever Turk one eighty two that Shane match Thorne, was, yeah. was badass. I mean, everything they gave yeah. us for the most part was gold. I mean, really. I mean, if I'm going to complain about anything, like that tag match wasn't keeping me there until the very end, and suddenly Montez Ford is doing forward flips over the turnbuckle, and it's like, damn, you know? Yeah. I mean, like. Yeah, they know what the hell they're doing. To to the people that want that, they gave us everything on Wednesday. Well, yeah, we did. Uh, that match had like two commercial breaks with the side box. I know you're not a huge fan of that, but it does. Even though I don't mind it, I would prefer to have that than go to straight commercial. Two matches in your main, uh, two commercials like that in your main event, and I think AEW had a very long extended one in theirs as well. It just kind of took me out of it, and I was like, all right, I want to get back to this. I want to see the match. Like, let's go. And then when they came back. It was hot fire to the finish. As you said, Ford, Dawkins was awesome. Undisputed Era in, in, continues to be incredible as an entire group and just match by match. Uh, the show was an A, maybe an A minus. You know, I'll say A minus. I guess that's fair. But clearly better. Uh, I just don't think, I think ultimately by the time these ratings come out, which by the time many of you will listen to this, they'll already be out. I think you're going to see AEW with a significant win in week one. It's just a matter of what's going to happen in week two. The other thing I think we're going to have a significant win for BC is SmackDown on Fox, which I expect to do a huge number. We already know, though, that WWE Raw, its season premiere on USA Network. Yes, that's a PR term. I'm using it because that's really what it was. Brian Pyro, new logo, new theme song and, and opening. 
Entrances were cool. New ramp. Overall, the presentation of the new WWE Raw, what did you think about it? It was really good. It felt really big. You know, again, I don't know if this is like a... Because, look, the opening of NXT this week with that little intro from that dude from that band speaking, like, that felt big. That was like, we're making a statement here. To a certain degree, Raw felt like they're making... It felt like NBC Universal was like, hey, look, guys, we know the attention's going to be there on Friday night. We know there's this whole AEW thing. Um, we got to remind people that we're the best brand in sports entertainment. We're the most, you know, we're the, we're the flagship. We're the old school. They did that. I mean, look, the new opening, I thought, across the board was great. I love the new look of the set. It's different. Uh, I'm really hoping that Friday night's SmackDown show looks completely different. That's always been our goal and our want. Make Raw and SmackDown look so friggin' different that you know right away what you're watching and hopefully they'll do the same with the pay-per-views as well so that it's three separate things and you know right away of what you're in uh yeah dude raw felt good it felt great um a lot of people hit me up over the the sort of style of booking of bc did you get the book this week are they listening to your damn show everything was cheating everything was three-way everything was everything yeah it 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 kicked me right in the face love 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 um I don't think Raw was better than either. Oh, I thought it was better than Dynamite. Yeah, I'm going to say that. I, I, it's hard for me to sit here and say a Dynamite was better than this week's loaded Raw, which for, for a reason was loaded. Yeah, Raw was better than AEW Dynamite this week, um, certainly. But uh, it was really good. It was really good. I like the the ceiling potential better of what I can get from either Wednesday show. And again, that's just exactly what I want. Raw was really good on Monday night. Yeah, I, I was completely pleased, especially when you see the leaked pictures of the, of the stage. And you're like, what is that? And why is there an entrance on the side and not in the middle, right? And what exactly are they going to do and how is this going to look? And then they give us the opening theme, which I – it seems stupid, right? Because you just want to get to the show and see the action. But when you watch WWE and w- even Nitro back in the day, and I was more a WWE Raw guy always, when it turns 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock, I guess, is really the num- is the time. When it turns 8 o'clock and you get the WWE intro and then it goes into the theme song, you just feel something. Like you're like, oh, it gets you hyped for what's about to happen. And then when the first shot of the arena is pyro, and a set and flashing lights and it's all red. It feels like a big deal. And then they have Rey Mysterio's music hit. And fans love Rey Mysterio. And it feels like a big deal. And he's going out there and he's talking and it's kind of going down a little bit. And you're like, uh, Ray, what are you doing here? This is kind of boring. And then Brock Lesnar's music hit and his awesome entrance that almost looked 3D happens. And then he does his, you know, mannerism on the ramp and it hits you with the pyro again. And you're like, this is what I wanted. Like your full Batista mode right there. Give me what I want. They're giving me what I want. That simple. Not even the storytelling, not even the matches that were on the show. Raw felt bigger, badder, and better than it has in a year from the first 10 minutes of TV. And I thought they did a fantastic job telling the audience this $2.3 million that we got from uh, TNT, uh, not TNT, I'm sorry, uh, from USA Network and Fox combined, we're not just sitting on it. We're doing things with it. We're paying for talent. We put this news together, and you guys were complaining about Pyro being gone. It's back. F you, we're delivering. So I thought Raw was a massive home run from a production standpoint, BC. 
The other thing to talk about before we get into the storylines briefly is the commentary. You had Vic Joseph as your play-by-play man, Dio Madden, the former Brennan Williams, a football player from UNC, as what will eventually be the number two guy, and the return of Jerry the King Lawler, which I think a lot of people off the top were down about. They're like, why are you bringing the King King back? But BC, if I'm going to go and praise Tony Schiavone on AEW Dynamite, I got to praise Jerry the King Lawler on Raw. He felt like the glue that brought those guys together. He's obviously the more polished veteran uh, commentary guy on that team. It felt right to hear the King on Raw. And yeah, some of his references may be a little outdated or a little more TV 14 and WWE may want for that show. But King to me was the right fit at the right time to be put with those two young guys. I'm torn on Jerry. I'm really torn on Jerry. Um, Like, here's why I'm torn. I felt he wasn't as washed as people think in the times that he's filled in in recent years. He still had it. He still was good. And I get your point of him tying together a, a real puzzling choice of a, of a, of a season debut roster. Like, look, dude, like, Dio Madden may become somebody. I never heard of him. He was a, doing a poor man's couple different people on this night. He'll probably well, get he better. Well, he was nervous, Brian. I mean, get you better, could put, dude, you could put, you, listen, you have, you have a lot of, um, you know, great energy when you talk and, and when you're on Showtime. But Brian, if I put you in that chair on Monday Night Raw and you, you haven't done that before, you're not going to be right, the best but, version of Brian Campbell. Adam, would you put me in that chair on the season premiere of Raw on such an important episode? You know what? If I'm week? Paul Heyman and I'm Paul Heyman and I go, that's my guy. I'm riding or dying with him, which apparently he did for Vic Joseph and Dio Madden. Those are the guys he wants. Yeah, I would. No, no, you wouldn't for Madden here because here's the deal. Uh, I'm not a big uh, – what's the other guy that was on uh, SmackDown that no longer has a job? Not Tom Phillips. Tom Phillips? No, the other guy. Uh, oh, Byron Saxton. Saxton. I wasn't a big Saxton guy ever, but Saxton's way better than what Madden showed us. He Look, got Madden better. Get, Madden will get better, and that's fine. Um, but I'm saying Saxton got better. You think Saxton was that good when he started? Again, who was Brian? Brian, Brian, who was Byron Saxton when they first Adam, put him on TV? He was argument. Dio Madden. The argument is right now, in arguably the most important time in wrestling in 20 years, on your season premiere when NBC Universal is competing against Fox, same week as AEW, you're going to roll out this lineup. That's the real question here. But so, Brian, because you're not going to six months from now say, okay, now I'm going to put this new person in the commentary chair. That's why the, the real question here is whether that was a good move or and whether it, they backed up. No, Dio Madden's performance did not back up that this is a strong move. But Vic Joseph is great in terms of calling a match. So going in that direction and taking a chance on him, very encouraging. I don't. Tom Phillips didn't get screwed. He's not dead. There's dirt sheet rumors that he's eventually going to replace Cole on SmackDown, and that this is just a a, a slower moving situation. Um. So back to Lawler. There's things I like and don't like about him. What I I don't think he was great on Monday. He did hold them together to a certain degree, but he's still giving you too much of what? What? And I know that's his like thing. That's his catchphrase. It's like Chris Berman doing the what? It's like, I get it, but it just, it doesn't work in 2019. So this is a puzzling choice. This team, they needed a third person, a strong third person to hold together and compliment what Vic Joseph well. And I think that Madden felt too much minor league. He wasn't ready for prime time. And I know you could sit here and argue and say, BC, you wouldn't have been ready either. Who's going to be, well, look, I wasn't been put in that spot. You're only going to put somebody in that spot to win and hit a home run. And, and he there, didn't in that. So I don't love the raw team right now. I don't think Jerry should be there long-term. I don't think Madden should be. I think Vic Joseph is fine and strong. And I like that they went in a new direction. with 
Well, I, I don't think Jerry will be there long term. I think he's there to help, help those guys gel and become a, a duo and help Madden maybe more than anyone grow into that role. But, you know, I'm not, we don't need to go talk about commentary for another 20 minutes. I'm simply going to say that I have no issue with them trying something new. And that's what they're, they're doing here. I see nothing different putting Dio Madden in, in that spot than they did previously with Byron Saxton. You can say he had a little bit more experience, but Madden had called 205 Live and done a, a couple other things. Granted, very briefly, um, but they also put Renee Young in a similar situation. And she was, whether you think as of last week, she was quote unquote good or not. She was far better than she was when she started. And that, I think Dio Madden stepping into that role, the first 25 minutes of the show was rough. By let's, hour three, I thought, they I thought he bad was, decisions. by hour three, I thought he was adequate. By month three, I think he's going to be good. They may end up being good in the long run, but let's frame it adequately here. They make poor decisions constantly on their announced teams and who goes where and who goes what. I mean, look, they they rolled out Otunga for how long? Who would you have, per, who would you have preferred? Hold on, hit me out. They rolled Tell out me. Otunga for how long when it was just a train wreck? They have given you constant guys you don't want, calling it in a style you don't want. So to sit here and say, well, Renee Young got better, she's still bad. And I'm going to sit here right now and say Beth Phoenix is dragging down the NXT broadcast. Moro's great. Nigel's amazing. They're the perfect chemistry together. Beth Phoenix is lost on there. This is a joke that she's on there. Sometimes less is more. Nigel and, 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 uh, and Moro would be perfect there. This experiment of, of Renee, it just never worked. I mean, it just doesn't work. But so Nigel, Moro, and Percy were very good as a trio. Right. But they've made overall some real puzzling decisions. And this is another one to me at this timing. Long run, they'll probably work it out. But how do you sort of just throw this out there at such an important week? I don't, I don't get because that. that because the the duo that they want to go with is Joseph and Madden. That's who Heyman wants. That's what the goal is ultimately. So they're set. What they're saying is we're not going to go with Joseph and King for four months while Madden does two hundred five live and doesn't really get the three hour the immersive experience. A lot of Brian, a lot of times. Look, I had never podcasted before. If you listen to the first ever episode of State of Combat. And, you know, Nick obviously was on the show with us later on, a couple months later, but he listened back to it. And Nick, you know, Costas, who's who I'm talking about here, has experience in radio. You have experience in podcasting. And you said to me, Adam, you're like, I like your takes. I think you're doing a good job, you know, countering me and doing stepping in to bring up topics and stuff. But you're not bringing any energy. You're not bringing any personality to the show. You, when you do X, Y and Z, it's not very good. And I took those notes. And after, I'm not saying I'm great. I'm not saying I'm Jerry the King Lawler podcasting. But what I am saying is, I'm. I feel like I'm significantly better now than I was two and a half years ago when we started this thing. I had zero, zero experience. Damn, this a, guy at least had a little bit of experience. That's a cool so story, bro. But we're talking about the season premiere of Raw when Brock Lesnar is going to come out and give you a moment. Okay, but my point is, long term, that's the direction they want to go with these two. So you gotta just. Throw the guy into the fire and say, sink or swim, man. And I get, that's not a good analogy because I'm talking about water and fire. Throw him into the pool, say, sink or swim, man. And I don't think he sunk and I don't think he swam. I think he floated. And I think as we go forward, we're going to see this guy improve. That's it. We're also talking about Raw. We're still talking about Raw. We're not talking but about Raw is not on, Raw on anymore, BC. Or NXT. We're talking Raw about is Raw. the B show. Brian, Raw is the B uh, show. I showed you on Monday that Raw is still going to be Raw. And NBC is not going to let that. Okay, but who? But who is on SmackDown? Michael Cole and Corey Graves. Your top play-by-play man, like it or not, 
and your top color commentary Which is guy. what makes the choice on Monday puzzling overall, even though... I'm just glad we don't have Cole on both shows and Graves on both shows. Very true, very true. And please get Beth Phoenix off of NXT and okay. tell her husband we are still holding that grudge against him. Sorry. You agreed but, to come on, the, you agreed to get interviewed and come on this show, and then you halfway realize after the second question that this is a podcast and you won't do this podcast because you have your own and there's this weird interplay with the PR person and they're trying to act like he's not still on the phone even though I can hear him talking. Sorry, Edge. You lose. You didn't bank. <laughs> well, and now, and, and now, you know what, BC? He's leaving this podcast. So that's an interesting thing as well. Let's actually talk wrestling, though. Let's get to Raw. We Too much on commentary. It's my fault. BC, Brock Lesnar comes out. Looks like a million bucks. I don't know if that's a couple extra doses or, or whatever he was on. Looks great. Obliterates Rey Mysterio. Takes Dominic. Pulls him out of the crowd. You have Jerry Lawler screaming that Dominic's a teenager, which is funny for other reasons. Dude's 22. Regardless, Dominic takes release German suplexes. Release regular suplexes. Dude, how hot fire was that segment? It was great. And tell me it hit all your feels. It got better. It got better with every minute. It was great. Exactly what we want out of Brock. And it really sets you up for two things in terms of like, what does this mean for Friday night's SmackDown championship, WWE championship match against Kofi? And who is going to cost Lesnar the title? Will it be Cain Velasquez, like you hear rumored, because he's in talks with AEW, NJPW, WWE, whatever, which would make a hell of a lot of sense to come get the back of a Mexican hero like Rey Mysterio and spin off into a feud that will 100% cross over, given Lesnar's history with Kane inside the real fighting uh, s- square circle there. What, the is, tell me, what, is, what is that history? I do not know. Cain Velasquez and Brock Lesnar? Yeah. Uh, Cain Velasquez uh, knocked out and destroyed Brock Lesnar to take the UFC champion, heavyweight champion. Oh, he's the one who beat him for the heavyweight title? Yeah, yeah. I somehow did not remember that. Okay. Yeah, he beat the crap out of him. I mean, it was a fun little fight because Brock came out firing. Brock had the Brock beard that night. That beard has never seen the light of day again, although he had a mini version uh, in the last few months on Raw. So, and uh, yeah, dude, he kicked the when he beat When he beat him, did he was that him leaving UFC at that point? Like, he beat him for the title, obviously, and it's not WWE where he writes him off. But he didn't. He went to WWE after that, right? Well, that was he his did return. Take one more match against Alistair Overeem and got the shit kicked out of him. There were okay. complications with his uh, diverticulitis during that whole period. Right. That's right. But, That's uh, right. That launched okay. Kane, and Kane unfortunately has had so many injuries in UFC that he never fulfilled his destiny of being what he was, which is the greatest heavyweight I've ever seen. You know, really since Fedor. But here's the deal: you run that back, you have a guy who actually kicked Brock's ass in real life. That would be a hell of a SmackDown crossover because Fox, by the way, just had UFC rights. It makes a ton of sense. Or, Adam, or Dwayne Johnson's going to be there on Friday. Imagine if he costs Brock the title. How perfect would that be? Kofi stays champion and we slow build to Brock Rock at Mania. Are you kidding me? Adam, there's a ton of potential for what Monday night's opening might mean moving forward. And even if it's neither of those. Even if we end up getting a non-title Rey Mysterio Brock Lesnar feud, that's still that's still kind of badass. I'm here. It, Give me all that yeah, smoke. Even if they're building this for Blood Money in the Sand four, and the whole thing is to have two more you know big names in a match in Saudi, I'm still down for it because Brock Lesnar Rey Mysterio is good business. It's SmackDown business. It's old school WWE. It's the old Brock. We saw him break out another suplex, which he hasn't done his entire, you know, most recent WWE run. It's been Germans and F5s. Now all of a sudden he's doing regular suplexes. It's great. So I thought it was top to bottom fantastic. Dominic. 
dude took some major shots. Absolutely loved it. Thought he sold it incredibly. I don't know if this kid's ever going to be a really good wrestler one day, but I mean, he sells like one. You know who was proud? Eddie Guerrero was proud of that segment. Two of his favorite people, obviously Rey Mysterio and Brock Lesnar, all in there together. It just felt right. It didn't feel like WWE that we've seen recently. It was brutal, but not brutal on purpose. Like it wasn't a street fight. It was just Brock beating the absolute hell out of two people far smaller than him and not giving a bleep about it. Heyman being there watching on obviously oversells the the moment in such a good way. It just felt great. Did you hear the Heyman promo after when he was backstage and he sort of basically said that there's badasses in other sports, but nobody in any any sport is as tough as Brock? Doesn't that tease Cain Velasquez to you? And even if they haven't signed Cain, if they're using that as as a tease to try to get him, that's good God. How do you not? How do you not sign if you're Kane at that point? Yeah, I'm just trying not to go to that because I don't want to get expectations up for something and then be disappointed. You know, I'm happy with it as it is, honestly. Rey Mysterio, Brock Lesnar feud, whether it's for the WWE Championship if he beats Kofi or whether Mysterio costs him the title in that match, which would be a bit of a schmoz finish and certainly it'd be probably a DQ scenario, not really Kingston ultimately beating Lesnar. How about Dominic um, doing it? Dominic costing him hit would be great. Well, Dominic looked like he was dead after Raw. I mean, I don't think he's getting up from that bit anytime soon. Costing him hit, all right? Zach, now that would make sense. Zach Allen coming back. What's um, Zach Allen's mom costing him hit, all right? <laughs> but I did, I did like it for what it was, and I thought as a start to that show where I was not anticipating seeing Ray up off the top, nor was I anticipating seeing Brock off the top. It just, like I said earlier in the show, it sold to me that Raw is back and Raw is real. Now whether they compound that in future weeks and and continue on this role remains to be seen bc but there was other stuff that happened in the show and we're going to talk hogan flair in a moment but we got to talk about the end the limo showing up right in the middle of the seth rollins rusev match which we can talk about how that match was booked and the convolution of that sure but we got to talk about the limo pulling up nothing really happening going to commercial break coming back matches nearing its final final few moments and bobby lashley's music hits so we was Lashley in the limo because I don't think they ever connected that dot unless I yes, forward. Yes, Lashley was in the limo. Yeah, I mean that's what I assumed. Um, Lashley's music hits. Rusev's just staring at him, and you're like, "This is weird." On its own, that moment was weird. Then they can't get Lana's music to play, so you have Lashley motioning three different times for Lana to come out. They finally find her music, like you searching for a drop on the soundboard. Lana pops out, and they give a hardcore makeout session twice while rusev just stands there then all of a sudden and and while that's happening you have randy orton and baron corbin who are standing on the ramp like laughing at the situation and they're only there to promote blood money in the sand four but they were still out there on the ramp and while all of this is happening the lights go out fiend hits and fiend takes out seth rollins so what the hell did you think about the that entire end of the show? Don't forget the, but specifically Lashley, Rusev, and Lana. Well, don't forget the throne. Corbin's throne somehow got knocked over. And yeah, that heard, was off TV, though. Yeah, You heard Rusev say as the camera came back on when he was smiling. He's like, what happened to your thing? And then suddenly he's like, oh, crap, I got to get serious. It's back on. Uh, that was convoluted in, in re- very good ways overall. I was popping big. Uh, yeah, it was a lot. There was a lot happening there. I mean, there, the whole Hogan and Flair thing earlier, which you said connects to this to the whole money in the sand thing uh survivor series match in 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 saudi basically coming up which had equal levels of cringe and kind of cool nostalgia mixed in um 
yeah, they're doing saucy, dicey, spicy stuff. I want this. I need this ish. Yes, Heyman's booking to my heart. Heyman's, Heyman's realizing how you do things here because that's what men do, okay? It's perfect. It's great. I hope they've got an ending. I hope this is going there. But to tease that and have that long kiss and everybody's tweeting, wow, it looks like Black Draw has come to WWE, and it certainly has. <laughs> and it won't be the only thing that, that comes to WWE. We'll, we'll edit that part out later. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, seriously. Hey, Mysterio, not sucking off anybody. No, no, we're not, we're not doing that stuff anymore. I don't need to hear Magnum TA anymore. Um, it's great. And to have the fiend then suddenly like, what is the fiend going to come out and put his hand in Lana's mouth? No. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Like Adam, let me, let me remind myself how good raw was Monday night. Let me remind myself before it even airs, probably how great SmackDown will be Friday night. And let me say this. We don't have to talk about the bed sheets ever again. Okay. You know what? F me and my sort of hipster while well, this is pro wrestling versus sports entertainment. You know what? Pro, like the, the, the genres here. We're not going to have the crap that we had to have in the past because there's competition. There's AEW competition. There's NXT competition. There's Fox versus NBC competition. We're not getting the vanilla stuff anymore that we got at SummerSlam two years ago. We're not getting it. We're getting spice moving forward. Not the spite, well, probably the spice channel too, knowing how Heyman's booking this. Seems like it. But yeah. we're getting really good stuff to talk about. We may need five podcasts a week. I don't know how we're going to handle it. There's so much going on. I'm overwhelmed. Yes, Raw was really good. Somehow we got to put a button on the show. I know. Uh, I feel like every tweet I got at 11.01 p.m. was, wow, they gave BC the book in the main event of Raw. They gave BC the book. I popped. And I got to be honest. What you, what, but what you talk about when you talk about these types of angles, you're talking about more of a storytelling aspect of it. This was, hey, earlier in the show, where's Lana? A couple hours later, here's Lana making out with Lashley. And it just came out of nowhere. For me, the entire thing was convoluted. I got to legitimately be critical because, look. You have Orton and Corbin standing on the ramp the entire time. I get it's because they're doing Rollins and Rusev apparently on the same team for Hogan against those two for Flair. Rusev came out. He was a heel last week when he beat up a guy who was getting cucked by Maria Kanellis. Now he's the cuck for Bobby Lashley and Lana. (laughs) What? Like, like. Where are you going with it? He's a heel earlier. He's a heel last week. He's a face early in the show. He's then a heel against Rollins. Then he's a face at the end of the show because Lana's making out with Lashley. I didn't know what was happening it's or where ECW. it was going. It's so I ECW, didn't... Adam. It's so like ECW was exactly that. Like the, the psychology and the matches never made sense. Nothing made sense, but it was so <laughs> damn entertaining and risky and edgy that it was like, yep, I'm here. Well, I'm strapped. That's in. what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. I didn't get it. It was convoluted. But ultimately, was I entertained? I was entertained. And that's all you can really want at the end. Fiend Rollins, we'll talk about briefly in a moment. I don't know where the hell, where the hell they're going with that now, BC. But the only other moment on Raw that I think is obviously worth talking about is that Miz TV segment. Team Hogan versus Team Flair. You had a little bit of back and forth between Terry and Rick. Rick they're obviously promoting teams. Blood Money in the Sand Rick 4. Rick was lost in that segment. He, was, he didn't know where to I go. Just think, I just think... Look, his strong suit, he's always been a great in-ring wrestler, but his strong suit has always been promos, right? Just 
You want to hear Ric Flair talk. You don't need to see him wrestle. Back in the day, you wanted to, but you need to hear him talk. And after everything that he went through in the last year, I feel like it's just it's time for him to be a figurehead. Well, they gave and, him they gave him, you know, cues and, and talking points and he, he can't do that because he never had to do that. Right. He's got to go out there and just just be himself. True. And, you know, there was times like, well, oh, sorry, Miz, uh, uh, I'll wait. Uh, you know, like it's like it was just a, he was a mess and they got into the. I, you get what they were trying to set up there. The hey Hogan, yes. we're Flair, we're friends. Oh wait, wait, you're outshining me. Like the way they got into that was so awkward. It just didn't make any sense. Well, all they had to say, why, why does Hogan always get introduced last? Yeah, I mean, like it was painful. It was fun. Was I smiling? Yes. Is it sucked that it's tied into Saudi? Yes. Uh, there's the whole thing that we don't know how to feel about Hogan. Why are we doing a Survivor Series match? I would thought it was lame. Then suddenly you realize they're using big names and I'm kind of back in. Then Orton rips Rollins and it's great. And it's like it's it's everything at once. It sucks. It's great. It's convoluted. It's horrible. I can't wait. Buckle me in. I don't know where I'm going. That's wrestling right now. Wrestling's insane right yeah. now. Um, wow. You're right. I mean, they're doing a Survivor Series match. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were done. No, uh, they're doing a Survivor to... Series match five weeks before Survivor Series. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'll i eat all of the pie. Dean Ambrose looks like he wants a piece of this pie. I want it too, Renee. I want all of it. I'm gonna, there's so much to eat. Like right now, you're probably going to make me talk about Hell in a Cell. I'm not going to do it. I don't care about Hell in a Cell. I'm not WWE even there yet. He doesn't care about Hell in a Cell. There are so many other things going on. How is AEW going to evolve and bounce back? Will NXT keep throwing the kitchen sink at it? What's Raw going to do to compete with Friday nights? Like, Wow. We're here. We're actually in it. We're in it. We're in the middle of it. Boom. It's booming. The third. There's a testes. One, two, three. Yeah. We're in the third boom period right now, Adam. Before we completely get off raw, you don't even need to respond. I just want to say the thing I actually like the most on raw top to bottom was Orton challenged Rollins. He said, okay. They immediately got to it. They rolled the carpet out of the ring. They got everything out of the ring and it just felt real. Whereas one week ago, if they do that same segment, they go to commercial break, they come back, the two are waiting in, waiting in the ring, they ring the bell. It felt like it was spontaneous. It felt like it was real. That's very Paul Heyman. I thought that was awesome, BC. Now, final part to talk about before we briefly go over Hell in a Cell. CM Punk is back in the news, and we do have to discuss this because WWE is starting the show on FS1 called WWE Backstage, hosted by Renee Young with Booker T in the second seat. But apparently CM Punk was out in L.A. screen testing or, or trying out for this show. And there are various reports about what is actually happening. There is one report from a noted former MMA journalist that says Punk has agreed with Fox to be on this show, which is not are a return to WWE necessarily. Are you referencing but it's him. Front Row Brian as a journalist? At the, I thought he was. Is he not? Oracle? No, he's a guy who's close to Chael and close to Bellator kind of peripherally around the business and gets all the good rumors. And okay, so a guy who might know something that he's talking he about does. says that Punk agreed to it and is part of Fox. Everyone else, at least, uh, PW Insider, Meltzer, etc., said this screen test or tryout did happen. It is under serious consideration, and it may very well happen. So whether it has happened, whether it's agreed upon, or whether it's a possibility, my question for you is this. It's twofold. One, do you want to see CM Punk on this show? Two, if he's on this show, the assumption is he's going to be back in WWE at some point. Do you want to see CM Punk back in WWE? 
All right, here's what I want from CM Punk because he's really pissing us off. And if you heard his response on that radio show to these rumors, it was just it was, very, yeah, very yeah. CM Punky, and he's really annoying us and pissing us off. Uh, that's where we're at. So here's what I want. Number one, okay? What a load of crap! Yeah, number one, CM Punk. This is really making me upset. Number one, I want him to come to be a surprise for AEW and be an in-ring performer and cut negative promos against WWE and really be their tool to try to compete with WWE. I don't see that happening. Number two, would I be okay with WWE panicking and signing him as a wrestler and we just continue his wrestling career and put all the other stuff behind us and they're basically saying, we're going to stomp on AEW's throat and we're bringing back CM Punk and we're going to make you tune in to whether he's on Raw, SmackDown, or both. Yeah, I'd have to pop for that, even with some of the things going on. But number three, would I want him to quasi-sign with WWE and be a Fox employee that's on their weekly Tuesday night WWE backstage show that begins in November? Like, no. Even if you told me in ahead of time, Adam, he's going to be great. He's going to be contrarian. He's actually going to be the voice of the fan and criticize WWE on that show. No, I want nothing to do with that. Um, C- CM Punk, here's the deal. You've been that guy who stood on his own principles. You left the damn company. You got into a lawsuit against them. You walked away from this business. Hell, you effed around and tried to be a real fighter. If you come back in a studio role where you're basically kind of working for WWE in any form, to me, that's a monster sellout. That's even more of a sellout than a sellout move of him coming back to be a performer. Because at least that would tell me, well, look, he just wants to wrestle so bad that he's like, F it. Everybody makes up with Vince in the end. He's a business good money. It's really good money. It's great money. He's going to cash in. He's going to have could be able to control his twilight here. And it's going to be great for the business. I'd say, you know what? It is what it is. But if he's going to soft sell that and just be a studio analyst and go back with the people that he hates. Like, he's the one guy, even more than Bret Hart, who you're like, he's never going back. He's not going to go to the Hall of Fame. He's never going to have his... He's the one guy that you'd believe in your heart would stand firm on that because of how he was treated with all the injury and the doctor and his exit and all that stuff. That's a dumbass, weird, compromising sellout. And I know that's a mark response for me, but it is. It really is. So, hey, hey, Phil... Piss or get off the pot. Come back and be a star with AEW or just give in because you love wrestling and be a star with WWE. But don't do this half thing and be a studio analyst. I'll care about it even less than I care about your, you know, your continuing MMA career. Like, I just I'm realizing I just don't need this in my life. I don't need to be teased anymore by CM Punk. I, I, I don't need it. Either wrestle or get away from me. I think that's fair. Uh, calling it a soft sellout is the right terminology because if you want to go back to WWE, go back to WWE. Now, if medically there is a reason you can't, if you're Edge, let's say. Sorry to bring him up again, BC. But if you're Edge and you are not actively cleared to compete, that's one thing. And, and WWE is offering you a payday and a contract to keep you away from AEW. That's fine. But he is able to compete. What I do think happens is if he is hired by Fox to do this WWE show, it is simply a precursor for him coming back to WWE. Because once you are back in WWE's ecosystem, the money will be there to lure you out of retirement or 
chosen exile or whatever you want to call it, right? Freaking Shawn Michaels just had a match in the last you know year, last 365 days. Um, the Undertaker is still wrestling. Goldberg came back. Sting. We never thought we'd ever see Sting in WWE. We saw Sting. So if CM Punk does go to Fox, he will be back in WWE in some form. But is it a soft sellout if he only is on Fox somehow and he's only on that show? Yeah, it's I don't really need you. There are others who can do that role. But is it smart for WWE to lock him up either way? It is smart for WWE to lock him up. And honestly, BC, would I want him in AEW? We talked about it plenty. I kind of don't. If he does come back, I do want him in WWE. I want him cutting the promos he used to cut about WWE proper and Vince. I want him fighting Daniel Bryan. I want to see him against Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. WWE always felt like the right place for Punk. It's just things went sour and he didn't want to be there anymore. That doesn't mean him going to AEW would be better. In fact, I think him going to AEW may even inhibit them a little bit because he is of that older generation. He fits better with the AJ Styles and, and the, the Finn Balors and guys of that age, not so much with the John Moxleys or the Adam Hangman Pages or the Pox and, and things like that. I would prefer to see Punk in WWE if given the choice. He's so counterculture that if he did a, an invasion-type angle with either show, with either company, it would be the biggest thing going on in wrestling. It would. Showing up in the crowd, not knowing, you know, like, and him sort of being, like we, we've said in the past, if he sh- shows up on AEW as a performer, but yet he's anti-Cody and the AEW staff as a character, that's amazing. If he shows up on WWE and just continues who he always was, that's amazing. I don't feel like we're getting either of that, and if we don't, then I won't care, and I don't care. Um, Adam, quickly, we got to get out of the show. I know you want me to talk Hell in a Cell. I don't we know. Got there's, it. We got it. There's three matches. There's three it's, matches. It's, I don't get it. Talk about. I don't get it. I mean, I guess you could break down, do you want The Fiend to win the title? I, I do. I want them to go all in on him, but I am so confused entering this show. Like, yes, Becky and Sasha have been hot freaking fire lately. I want all of that. I want all of it. Put that smoke. Let me freebase on that smoke. I want all of it, okay? I don't want to talk about this card. We just did. I mean, that's the thing. What I don't understand is I don't care about you building up NXT. I don't care about you debuting SmackDown on Friday nights. As we tape this, we are three days away from a pay-per-view. There are three matches. Someone, I tweeted that. Someone hit me back. Well, you love five-match NXT takeovers. Okay. This is an NXT takeover. A tag match with Roman Daniel Bryan, Eric Rowan, and Luke Harper is not going to be on an NXT takeover, despite obviously Daniel Bryan being fantastic. Um, what is that match? They haven't even talked. It feels like they're not even talking about it. Now, Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch, hot fire, as you said. I am looking forward to that uh, Hell in a Cell match. I want to see that. Seth Rollins, The Fiend, I want to see that badly too. But I'd like to have some idea, even if I'm wrong, of where a match is going to go. And I have no freaking idea what's going to happen there. And BC, that's the card. They haven't. They don't have any other title matches. They don't have anything else announced for the show. If they go into Hell in a Cell, and there's three matches now, right? If they double it to six and add a kickoff show match, and they do all of that Friday night, announcing-wise, does that get you excited? No. Or is this just an ultimate failure of a pay-per-view, no matter how good those two I mean, main look, matches are? They have a are. chance to piggyback off of the buzz of all of wrestling, the buzz off of what Raw was, what Friday night would be. I mean, look, Friday night could just... Like, 
be so freaking amazing and really could fill out this card. It probably will, where you're going to go into Sunday being like, oh my God, I need to see what how good WWE is going to decide to be. But as of right now, no, I'm thinking about Pina Coladas. I'm thinking about Jamaica. I'm thinking about reading these th- quick three DMs to get us out of here because I love our listeners so much. Will you, will you placate me, Adam? Let's do it. All right. You know Adam X. Parsons? You know that guy, right? He's a rough rider. He's on our r- r- Rushmore. He's trying to be a uh, comedian. Because you guys all know that I'm a rough writer. Adam, he chimes in to say, I want to have this debate because this is what he says. AEW feels like TNA. There I said it. Who is actually going to be fired up about a potential Jack Swagger versus Goldust feud? Is this WWE main event in 2013 going to pass and stick with NXT for now? Tony Schiavone was good, though. Adam, I want to bring up what Adam X. Parsons said there because I got so many DMs that said, bro, I know you're the revolution guy, but I'm sorry. AEW feels like TNA. It really didn't. We already went over the the, the good and the bad there. feels more like WCW in a good way. So, um yeah, it felt like um, WCW. It didn't feel like TNA. It definitely did not feel like ROH. Yeah, so back the hell off. I love you, though, Adam X. Parsons. Thank you. Uh, we got a one from, you know that guy who probably should be on the Mount Rushmore? At underscore Black Saber Jr.? Yeah. He says, remember CM Punk's promo when he told Cena he was no longer the scrappy underdog Red Sox and instead he'd become what he hated, the evil Empire Yankees? Convince me that Cody hasn't effectively become Triple H. Coming to the ring with his hot front office wife? Check. Elaborate entrances longer than some mid-card matches? Check. Slow old-school wrestling matches that usually hover around a safe three and a half stars? Check. Face when talking about their company, but heel for a lot of matches? Check. Is Cody most of us who don't realize what we've become just like the parent we butted heads with until later in life when we ultimately come to appreciate them? Or is this all intentional? I, I feel like it, it needed to be read. I get where Black Saber's going here. Um, yes, I'll tell you, Black Saber Jr. Cody and Brandy are doing trips and stuff light. Doesn't mean I hate it. Cody, no, but it, but it is hypocrite. It is. It seems to be hypocritical. Well, Cody and Paul are really the same person inside. They're both great wrestling lifers who get this business and get what wrestling should look like in 2019, and that it should be a foundation of. What was great with old wrestling that is no longer there in the sports entertainment era mixed with what's great about both the comedic and work rate of the indies in 2019. Um, yeah, they're really alike. That's why I said, if I'm going to give you a hipster draw line in the sand on what the real war is, I think Trips and Cody are actually on the same team and don't know it. Yeah, he is Trips and I'm fine with that. Guess what? In Paul, we freaking trust. You got a problem with that? Uh, uh, Black Saber, you got a problem with that? Silver King? No, no problems here. It's, it's, but it, it is worth pointing out that the similarities are extensive, as he said. So is the overall point that Cody shouldn't be publicly in a war with Trips? And I know you've brought this up before. They're the ones, look, they're the ones that are Vince. going after Triple H. And I don't know why. I mean, did Triple H hold Cody down? If he did, okay. But I mean... I don't. I really yeah, don't get that. Yeah, that's a good that. point. I don't know. I, I haven't 
paid attention that close to Cody's gripes to find out exactly. He always talks about writers that were holding him back, but was it Vince or Trips at the end of the line that were holding him back? Interesting. I don't know. But you're right. It should almost be, if AEW is going to do what you don't want them to do, which is take shots at WWE, it almost should be Vince in WWE. Of course it should. Of course it should. By the way, shout out to Stack Guy Greg on Instagram wearing that shirt that had Vince's face and Tony Khan's face, and it said the Wednesday Night Wars, and it had the date of last night on it. Great shirt that he put on Instagram. I do not follow Stack Guy Greg. Final DM. You don't follow Stack Guy Greg on Instagram? <laughs> no. Wow, that's weird. Um, that's weird. That's our guy. Stack Guy Greg's the best. All right. I like him. I like him very much. I don't. I don't follow other dudes on Instagram generally. So you're just there for the. Uh, for. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, you know, it's your life. You know, yeah. I'm there for all of it. I want all the smoke. Hey, Silver the, King single. Let's not get things chicks, I want the dude. Well, you know what I'm. You know where I'm going. That's fine. If you want the dudes, it's fine. It's 2019, guys. Okay, we can. It's every life is good. Enjoy your life. Final thing, Mick Johnson. You know our guy from Down Under. He hit yes. me up and he was like, "Bro, did you see what D Mitty's doing now? Now look, just so people don't realize." It, D. Mitty is day one-ish on the In This Corner Wrestling Podcast. He's the the dollar bill that we have framed over the diner. Like, he's our, our first fan, our first... Yes, he attempted to go heel, and he pissed Nick Costos off, but he's our guy. And I know that Mitty has had his DMs read on our show, had his emails read on the Shoemaker Mass Man Podcast. Interesting. But what Mick Johnston pointed out this week to me was, did you hear what happened with D. Mitty on Cheap Heat this week? Wait, so this is this is so D Mitty you're telling me is like the guy that's a Stern fan who's also trying to get on Bubba's show. Well like that that's that's what we're getting yeah, here. But D. I don't is not, D. Mitty is not he may be ITC original, but he's not ITC mega fan. See, you're if he's doing at, all of it's this. weird. You're looking at it as like WCW versus WWE, when in reality the original some of these original cheap heat fans look at the cheap heat alumni as the click. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, I understand. Oh, like I you totally can go get to it. different Look, teams, but I still love me some Shoemaker. I still love you, me some. You DC got you got into the wrestling pod audience from Shoemaker and from Rosenberg. I, I get it. I'm I'm simply saying at some point you have to declare an allegiance. Uh, you can have you can you can watch and listen to multiple different things, but at some point, like you were a W, you watched both BC, but you were a WCW guy. I watched both. I was a WWE guy. At some point, if you want to be on the SOC Mount Rushmore. You need to be an SOC guy, not just, oh, I like well, everything. We will need just... Mitty to respond to this and declare, as for he and his house, who he serves. But let me play you D. Mitty's little 15 seconds of fame on Cheap Heat this week. Mail. Daniel writes, Smarky Smarks and the Factless Bunch. Yo, what up, PDP, the Factless Wonder of the World? D. Mitty here. You may know me from my ITC fame. I don't know what that means. Um... <laughs> will you guys pop next week if the fiend just destroys Hogan? Will that be enough for you guys to move on? Or does he mean will that be enough for you guys to move on? Plus, there will be some secret hidden episode where Greg will have some of his own takes instead of agreeing with his Majesty. Wow, a lot of shots here. Peace out, stay mage. Enjoy yourself and any other cliche you have coined. Warmest regards, Daniel. I mean, was that an entire attack from Daniel? Just rude. But I hear you. M- 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 Wow, he, look at D. Mitty going heel on 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 Pete Rock right there, right? And he also, well, I mean, he completely no sold us. Granted, we're not ITC anymore, but I mean, I, I kind of like D. Mitty's performance there. He kind of like it's, he kind of put on his Canadian tuxedo, Hall and Nash style, and showed up in the crowd, but wasn't ready to invade. What I'm asking is, do we need to let Rosenberg know who we are? Is that where we're at? 
He knows who we are. I know he knows who you are. He knows he knows what I look like. My question is, does he need? Do we need to let him know SOC is for real? Uh, look at you trying to start a uh, Silver King, Peter. Rosenberg I'm, he one. he's no, definitely not. I would lose that. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm going to lose that easily. But um, what I'm trying to say is, you're no selling the show. You know, he didn't know. Say he put over that he was of ITC fan. I like that move from. Uh, he kind of went after Petey, ripped Steck. This is heel D Mitty getting himself over like he did from day one. He is who he well, is. All right, he, he got over there. I mean, he tried here, Nick. You know, Nick ended that real quick. I still stand by D D Mitty. He's our first customer. He's our first. He fan. is. He is the dollar. As you, that's a really good analogy. He is the dollar bill on the wall. You know, yeah. you can never take that away. Thank you, D Mitty, for being there for us from the beginning. Even though we haven't been there for you, we didn't put you on the Rushmore. All right, bro. We you threw have to deserve you it to the side of the road. Okay, that's it. You- that's it. It's it's time to end the show. I love a happy ending. Me too. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. All right, me too. What do you got, Silver King? Well, we got to tell the people what is next, BC. BC is going to be somewhere in Jamaica, down by the beach, boy. But Silver King, right near the beach, boy. Now, now you find the drop. But Silver King and Jack Crosby will be with you late Sunday night, early Monday morning. WWE Hell in a Cell instant analysis. BC, we're also gonna have instant analysis Saturday night, early Sunday morning with Brandon Wise and gentleman Jack Crosby from UFC. 243. I think I got that correct. And we will have some pods for you next week as well on the SOC. So BC taking a little bit of break. SOC, not so much. We're here to fill your ear holes. We're here to deliver that performance enhancing audio. You know, you want ad need. So drop those five-star reviews and follow us on Twitter at state of combat. Do you have any idea how much I'll have to watch when I get back next week? I'll have to watch UFC 243, a bunch of boxing, and 39 hours of wrestling, at least. Oh, we're also doing, I should also add, we're doing a WWE mock draft on CBSSports.com, so look out for that as well. But yeah, you you have a lot to watch. UFC, Hell in a Cell, Raw, the first SmackDown, both Wednesday night shows. Sometimes you got to unplug, sometimes you got to release, relax. Are you smoking the same crap he's been smoking? Because if you are, brother, give me some. Give me some, too, in Jamaica. Let's hang out. Let's have a great time. We'll go on the water slides with the kids. We'll eat a lot. It's going to be it's gonna be fantastic, all right? Be careful. You know, I won't be thinking about wrestling. Yes, all right? Come to the Silver King. Get your fill. Uh, thank you for bearing with us. This is a long, loaded show and bloated, but it needed to be because wrestling is back. Uh, we can love any shows we want, guys. We don't have to fight each other. We don't have to say F Vince, even though sometimes I do. You don't have to be from day one. Well, AEW didn't live up to it, so I'm not going to watch it. Watch it all. Enjoy it. Hey, uh, TNA Impact Wrestling's got a live show on Tuesday nights. I might even have around and watch that. NJPW is still kind of in our lives. Wow, Adam. Oh, wow. God. I can't even imagine including NJPW in our lives. My they God. Bring it. They still bring it. All right? But that's yes, they do. the end of the show. Um, please don't say anything bad about us. He disrespected me and my family through the media waves, you know? not how men do it. Uh, can I find a sound way to get us out of here? Maybe. Here we go. Okay, now say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, now get out of here. Well, that's a little rough, Randy. Yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. We out.